You're listening to Movie Astrology with Matt Hudson and John Burke. <laughs> Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world. And welcome to Movie Astrology. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watched Tonight. And joining me as ever, he's my transatlantic movie brother and the statesman to my kingsman. It's John Burke from Burke Reviews. How are you, man? I'm doing pretty well, Matt. How about yourself, sir? I am doing very well. The next installment of Movie Astrology, always excited to do any show with you, but I particularly love these history lessons with uh, possibly the greatest film teacher in the world. But uh, how is life treating you? Not too shabby. You know, um, I've made some time for some movies the last week or so, so that's been fun. Uh, you know, now that theaters are, are basically non-existent near me, um, yeah. I have I have noticed I have not been watching a lot of the new streaming stuff unless we are doing it for a podcast. Um, there's like several movies that have come out that we haven't been able to cover that I really want to watch. But I'm making like zero effort to get to those. And, and in lieu of like watching these older films that I've been meaning to get to for years and just finally finally doing so and i've uh i found a few gems um i mean found is a strong word i knew about them from other people but now finally for me they're a gem and so that was that's exciting uh to find a movie that you're like wow i can't believe i hadn't already seen this and i like Mm -hmm. it a lot so no man i've been i'm pretty much the same it's it's like we're recording this in october this is our october 2020 episode so i've been i'm in the mood i'm in the full mood i'm in the horror mood so i've been um my shudder subscription has taken a pounding for the last few weeks, just trying to find films that other people have said are good or doing that kind of random, let's scroll down and try and find a film that sounds good. And hopefully it will, hopefully it is. So I found a couple of good ones and a couple of absolute stinkers, but that's just the, the risk you take with streaming services. And like you say, another microcosm of history, theatres around here are gone for now until next year at some point, probably. So it is down to it's either streaming services or uh, whatever I've got in the Blu-ray DVD case or that I can uh, purchase and download online whilst I wait for The Mandalorian to come out. So doing a show like this is wicked because it's we get to go back to check out films which we either really like, check if, check if we don't like films as much as we used to, or catch up on films in our gap list. And that's what we do on Movie Astrology. For anyone new to the show... John and myself, we take one randomly generated year in film and basically we dive headfirst into it. We cover the biggest hits of the year. We breeze through award season, uh, births and deaths and debuts and a lot more. It's generally non-spoiler, so don't worry about that. But sometimes we can't help it because certain episodes are sort of 50 years old. But uh, JB then, enough from me. What year are we discussing for this episode? We're not going back too far this time, Matt. We're just traveling 19 years back in time to 2001. Yeah, not far. We're almost 20, almost two decades removed now from 2001. But before we talk about the films in 2001, let's have a look at what happened in the world back in 2001. In History. The U.S. Federal Trade Commission approves the merger of American Online and Time Warner to form AOL Time Warner. A 7.6 magnitude earthquake hits all of El Salvador, killing at least 800 people and leaving thousands homeless. Wikipedia is launched on January 15th, changing all research projects from that point forward. Plagiarism. Uh, 
George W. Bush W. is sworn in as the 43rd President of the United States. The 7.7 magnitude oh boy, Gajart earthquake shakes western India with a maximum Mercalli intensity of X extreme, leaving 13,805 to 20,023 dead and about 166,800 injured. FBI agent Robert Hansen is arrested and charged with spying for Russia for 25 years. The 2001 United Kingdom Flint and Mouth outbreak begins on February 19th. We have to talk more about that one, Matt. I will do. Uh, the Game Boy Advanced was released. Microsoft releases Windows XP and Apple Computer releases Mac OS X with version 10.0. The world's first self-contained artificial heart is implanted in Robert Tools in the United States. The International Olympic Committee awards Beijing the right to host the 2008 Summer Olympics. Tamil Tigers attack Bandanarike International... Bandan... Aha. Bandan... That's usually you doing this. Bandanarike <laughs> International Airport in Sri Lanka, causing an estimated $500 million of damage. Arati fire incident. 28 mentally ill persons bound by chains were burnt to death at a faith-based institution at Arati Tamil Nadu. Mm. The piece, As Slow As Possible, composed by John Cage begins... It begins on September the 5th. It will last 639 years, finishing in the year 2640. Whoa. Is that, we need to check on that. Is that still happening? Um, we do. Donald, Donald Rumsfeld gives a speech regarding $2.3 in Pentagon spending that cannot be accounted for. He identifies the Pentagon bureaucracy as the biggest threat to America. Charles Ingram apparently wins £1 million on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? but the prize is cancelled after he's accused of cheating. Hmm. Approximately 2,996 victims are killed or fatally injured in the September 11th attacks at the World Trade Center in New York City, the Pentagon in Arlington County in Virginia, and in rural Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Uh, Nintendo GameCube is released in Japan, followed by other releases in Western markets in late 2001. The 2001 anthrax attacks occur as letters containing anthrax spores are mailed from Princeton, New Jersey to ABC News, CBS News, NBC News, the New York Post, and the National Enquirer. 22 people in total are exposed with five resulting fatalities. In an address to a joint session of Congress and the American people on September the 20th, President George Bush declares a war on terror. War in Afghanistan in response to the September 11th attacks, the United States invades Afghanistan with participation from other nations, thus officially beginning the war on terror on October 7th. The iPod is first introduced by Apple. Nine members of the Nepalese royal family, including the king and queen, are killed in a mass shooting during a party at their royal palace. American Airlines Flight 587 crashes in Queens minutes after takeoff from JFK Airport, killing all 260 on board. Jeez. Gary Ridgway, a.k.a. the Green River Killer, is arrested outside the truck factory where he had worked in Renton, Washington. His arrest marks the end of one of the longest-running homicide investigations in the U.S. history. The Leaning Tower of Pisa reopens after 11 years and $27 million spent to fortify it without fixing its famous lean. British Islamic terrorist Richard Reed attempts to destroy a passenger airliner by igniting explosives hidden in his shoes abroad Abort. Sorry, I was right the first time. American Airlines Flight 63. Uh, the People's Republic of China is granted permanent normal trade status within the United States. Tropical Storm 
Vamy forms with 1.5 degrees of the equator. Uh, no other tropical cyclone in recorded history has come as close to the equator. A fire at the Mesa Redonda shopping center in Lima, Peru kills at least 291. It is currently the worst firework-related fire in history in terms of deaths. Gabrielle Martinelli, Mason Greenwood, Princess Elizabeth of Belgium, Princess Aiko of Japan, and Billie Eilish, wow, were all born this year. Yep, royalty in a lot of them. Uh, Dale Earnhardt, uh, Sir Donald Bradman, William Hanna, Joey Ramone, Douglas Adams, Perry Como, Timothy McVeigh, Aaliyah, Ken Casey, and George Harrison all passed away this year. Uh, 2001 is designated as the International Year of volunteers so for whatever for what that's worth hanging by a moment by lifehouse was the biggest hit of that year as well so i don't know if you remember that song at all i do unfortunately yep drops of jupiter train was released um what else independent woman pod, POD satellite came out on 9 11 because i went and bought it um Dude, that that's, morning. A, that's a memory of that date uh, it's been a while by stained christ i remember drive by incubus was one of the big hits of the year Oh, good song. Yeah, some big thank you by Dido. So, um, musically, some big hitters in there. But foot and mouth disease, that was something which ravished the United Kingdom. It was it was a really strange thing. It basically it comes from cows. It uh, basically affected a lot of kids. It, you could, it's similar to COVID in terms of how you get it. Coughing, sneezing, uh, close contact, so yeah. touching people or even or contact with someone's poo as well i actually i had it um i got it while my like second year teaching i think uh because i'd never had it before because it's kind of like chicken pox um once you get it you're not supposed to get it again i mean not not the the way it symptoms or whatever but um i had never heard of it before and so uh the the actual like clinical name has the word cock in it it's like cockleitis or something (laughs) so i was like what now wait hold on you got what what, mouth mouth yeah um so but uh yeah i uh i i have had it and it was not fun it was not severe either it's just it's really annoying for about a week uh your painful sore throat because you have like bumps all over your throat and hands um but if i remember correctly that was when halo 3 i got it when halo 3 had first came out on the xbox uh 360 and that was my reason for buying a 360 because i was going to be out of work for a week so i was like well i mean i might as well couldn't have happened at a more convenient time Right, so I, I I played lots of video games that week. But. Uh, well, 2001, we've just been through all of the major moments. There's, there's some big, big moments in there, some like, but very tragic accidents. If, if you listen to astrology all the time, you know that. Unfortunately, a lot of the news that revolves around the major news are tragic accidents or uh, events. But there are some uh, more uh, positive ones in there. But of course, you think 2001, you know where we're going with this. Your mind immediately goes to the September 11 uh, attacks in New York, Washington, uh, Pennsylvania. When it when did you find out about the news? Where were you when it happened? Um, I was still asleep uh, when it happened. Um, I was uh, in college. I was I was starting my sophomore year, and I had scheduled myself where I was off on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And the only reason I distinctly remember it being a Tuesday is I also that's when new CDs came out back in the day. So uh, I had planned on getting up and going to our local CD store and picking up the new uh, POD album. And my roommate woke us up and it was really confusing because she was just like banging on her door and was like, 
you know, um, they attacked, they attacked. I'm like, what are you talking about? Who attacked what? Like, what do you, there was no, no context from that, you know, information. And of course we didn't really have context yet anyways, but she wasn't even like they attacked the towers or, you know, I didn't know if they were, if she's talking about like our neighbors decided to start a war with, you know what I'm saying? Like it was a very rude awakening um, only to be even more rude when I saw what had actually happened. Like we ran out in the living room and saw the video that had, you know, surfaced. And then we witnessed the second one and, yeah, it was nuts, man. Um, I've been to the the uh, when David and I went to Tribeca the first year, we went to the memorial. Um, it is I've never felt the uh, so so emotionally moved by something that I personally had no no investment. In. I didn't lose anybody personally. I didn't know anybody who was there, but just you just feel the weight of the loss while you're standing there and seeing all of the things. It, it's it's crazy um especially now because uh, when i start i started teaching in 2006 you know all of my students remembered it and now my students were not born yet wow. um at this point you know so it's like for them it is more like akin to like a pearl harbor mm-hmm. like it's a recognized holiday but they don't really you know know it like like we know yeah. it and it's it's a, it's a crazy uh juxtaposition you know one of the the few things that like remind me how long i've been teaching because that that first year when we had our like the celebration or whatever you want to call it, the mem- the memorial celebration, everyone was really like somber. And now it's like some of the kids still get the weight of it, but others just don't because they weren't alive for it. You yeah. know, no, no, that was totally understandable. Uh, I remember being, I was walking home from uh, my wherever I was, my educational place, school or college, I don't remember now. But and we walked past a pub which had its door open about five minutes from where I lived back home. And we just heard on the radio, terrorists have laid siege to the World Trade Center. And it's me and my best friend at the time. We're just like, oh, wow, that doesn't sound good. Not really thinking too much about it because it it, we, it, we thought it was kind of like an, an armed uh, hostage type thing where people had gone in with weapons and it would be over within an hour or two. You know, they, But I got home and then 10 minutes later, the first I watched on Sky News, we saw the first tower collapse and that's when the weight of it hit and then everyone was just glued to the screen. And then of course the second tower went uh, and then the reports came in of the Pentagon and Pennsylvania. My, my uncle lives in Pittsburgh and he said they felt they could feel the tremor of that plane coming down from where they lived. Oh, it was surreal. Again, like you say, I have no personal connection to anyone there. I've never been to New York as much. So I'd very much love to, uh, and also to visit now to visit the Memorial, but it was a very strange day. I remember going outside in the evening for a walk around the block, just um, as I did at the time. Uh, and it was dead silence. Usually there'd be cars or people, but it was dead. It was even back home in Woking, back home, people weren't out. People are inside and just watching. It was cr- crazy. And even to this day, just like watching the footage is just insane. insane. And of course, everything that we, we covered that happened from the, the war on terror and Bin Laden and everything that went stemmed from it but it's a crazy moment in human history and it's that obviously we we lived through and it's yeah it's it's fascinating to see what came from it obviously the, the films the documentaries the conspiracy theories because let's not we can't have an event of that conspiracy so it's a very strange moment in history for like those who lived through it and it's good to see that still being commemorated. Yeah, it's uh, it's always interesting to hear what where people were and the stories that people have of that awful day. So 
yeah, that was where we were on September 11th. But uh, films, fil- the film industry continued. There was a solidarity, like you say, to the country. And the film industry as well also came out and said, you know what, we're not going to let the terrorists win. We're going to keep releasing these films. So let's talk about uh, the biggest movies then of 2001 uh, in our first segment. Top 10. So here we look back from 10 to 1, looking at the highest grossing films, and we are doing domestic gross um, for the year 2001. So we start with 10 to 4, and we're going to go kind of rapid fire with these, just kind of looking at the, the names, and then we'll we'll quickly talk about any of the ones that catch our eye, which to me, there's quite a few. And then we'll hit that top three real hard, where we'll get into a little bit more details and talk about our experiences with the films. And boy is 2001 quite a year um and granted i guess to be fair i'd like to give a little context uh because if you've listened to our 1999 episode (laughs) we love um, that one we talked quite a bit right so i would say my prime like started to become a cinephile years are probably 98 to like 2003 um that's when i really started to like I was literally going to the movies like every Friday, like, and that was my, my, I worked, um, I got my first job when I was like 17 at, at a fast food restaurant that everyone's eaten at probably a billion times. And my checks went primarily to going to the movies. Like I'd go to the mall and then I'd go to a movie cause we had a theater in our mall every week. And, uh, it was fortunate that I did it like every week because that's how I ended up seeing fight club. It was a total accident. I had no interest in fight club whatsoever. Didn't know who uh, David Fincher was or anything. Um, blew my mind and then the same year in the matrix but so 2001 i'm a sophomore college but i'm still actively watching movies and um i didn't realize that until looking at this list i'm like i've seen a lot of these like there's some i skip because i have my like bias a lot of my bias is founded on nothing mind you um but like i would especially this like 19 20 year old me i have very my taste is the taste. Well, I think right? we're all like like that. That. Well, especially with like music as well. It was I think so. You couldn't branch out if you you couldn't be a sellout and like other things which were more I commercial. Was so much worse with music. To yeah, be I was like, a music snob as well. And then as soon as you start branching out, you think, you know what? What the heck was I doing? Dude, I literally was sitting at dinner with a friend on Friday night, and a song came on that I'm like, it's a very poppy song, uh, Sean Mendez Stitches, and I'm like. I like this song, but if if uh, twenty year old me heard me say that, I'd be in a fight right now because like there's no way I would have allowed for such nonsense. No, no, uh, I to totally hear that. But that said, uh, I've seen a lot of these movies, so I'm gonna I try to keep that in. Um, but let's start looking at number ten, Matt. What was number ten in two thousand and one? Number ten, based on the uh, worldwide gross, that was me putting the wrong terminology. This is worldwide gross. So number ten in two thousand and one was Hannibal which brought in $351.6 million. And then number nine, uh, very, I'm going to clarify, Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes uh, with $362 million. Wow, that is insane. A lot. Number eight, Jurassic Park 3, just about made it over Planet of the Apes. It made $368.8 million worldwide. Uh, the Mummy Returns, a, fan, a favorite of mine, four hundred and thirty-five million worldwide. Number six, Pearl Harbor. We just mentioned that that brought in four hundred forty-nine point two million. Ocean's Eleven, four hundred fifty million seven hundred thousand. Uh, and counting off top ten to four, Shrek, 
Shrek brought in $484.4 million worldwide. And the first thing I noticed about 10 to 4 is they're separated by $130 million. It was tight from 10 till 4. There was not much leeway. But So from 10 to 4, what are some of the standouts for you? Any ones you particularly like? Any you don't, you've kind of passed over? Well, I, I think Shrek is arguably the most influential of the films in the top. Like, I'm actually, I'm a little surprised that it's not in the top three. Um, mm-hmm. Shrek it still has a lasting impression. Uh, I, I like Shrek. I've heard a lot of critics kind of hate on it. Um, I, I get it. I, this was, I was a big Mike Myers fan because of Wayne's World. And um, so I was, I was on board with this. I, th- I think it still holds up. I think it's still pretty funny. I don't know if all of it holds up, but I think a lot of it's still relevant and funny. And obviously there was a weird resurgence of Shrek uh, a couple years ago. Um, especially within my students, like they were all like making Shrek jokes and stuff. Uh, it was like me- meme culture. Um, yes. and so, <laughs> uh, uh, so it was like in my mind, like very recently, it was just like really present. And I actually, I like three of the four movies. I don't like number three. I think number three is awful, but I, I like one and two and I like four. So I think Shrek is probably the biggest film in this group of uh, six movies. Seven. Uh... Seven. It shouldn't be, but it probably is. When you look at something like Jurassic Park 3, but then, of course, that, oh, that's piggybacking off of The Lost World. But Shrek, I didn't mind Shrek uh, re-watching it in the last few years. I mean, it holds up for the most part. It's you know, it's, it's pretty funny. Not all of the jokes are great, but it's funny. It looks good for the time. Of course, the voice acting of Mike Myers and Eddie Murphy is fantastic. And, yeah, it's just... But Shrek has fallen foul of meme culture. My, my favourite videos of last year was... Anakin Skywalker versus Obi-Wan, but they just put Shrek in instead. So it's Obi-Wan versus Shrek on Mustafar. Don't know why, but someone did it. Shrek, I, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good film. It's, you know, it's probably DreamWorks, at the time it was DreamWorks' biggest film. And the amount of money that franchise has brought in, one of our recent episodes we did, Shrek 2 was in the top three. I prefer Shrek 2 over the first one. And I also agree that the third one is just bad. The fourth one, I'm not so... I'm not as hot on the fourth one, but Shrek. I didn't mind Shrek. I mentioned Jurassic Park 3 earlier on. How are we not going to mention that infamous scene with the raptor at the beginning on the plane, John? Oh, man. Uh, you know, the uh, talking raptor nightmare sequence. Alan. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's <laughs> so, uh, so bad. Um, I, I don't hate Jurassic Park 3, though. I actually, Same. I think overall it is better than Lost World. Same, um, yes! Yeah, but like, there's good moments in Lost World, but there's also gymnastic raptor kicking in in Lost World, and you know, there's some bad stuff in Lost World. But uh, Jurassic Park three feels more like Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we get Sam Neill back, who I am you know big fan of, and I, I he's I think sorely missed in Lost World. Um, although he's not in the book for Lost World either, so to be fair, it is it is closer to the book in that way. There is no third book though, so there this is, is like. Uh, a weird kind of amalgamation of part of the first book and then its own kind of, you know, script. And it's, it's fine. I, there, it's got flaws for sure, but it's, it's definitely much more watchable than I, I feel like I didn't see it in 2001. I was like, stupid sequel, not going to see that. <laughs> um, you know, cause it, it had that kind of like Friday the 13th Halloween vibe where it was like, this is one too many. Cause lost world yeah, kind of yeah. jumped the shark already. And it's, if I had seen, the raptor talking scene as like part of the trailer or something, I'd have been like, nope. Nah. <laughs> um, even now I watched this yeah. a couple of months ago. Even then I was like, what the hell is all that about? 
Yeah, it's so weird. Like I get, I had legit nightmares of the Raptors after Jurassic Park, so I totally get Grant, who went through almost dying, would have nightmares that like PTSD for sure. Would they talk? Probably not. Not in that accent as well. Like, yeah, gonna, right. like change it up a bit. Like have it like have like Hulk Hogan or something saying it with deep voice. But yeah, um, but overall, I I do like the movie. I think it's uh, I think it's fun. Um, yeah. I- I like it. I don't find many people who prefer this to The Lost World, hence why I cheered in absolute delight. Because, again, this film's got many, many flaws, but especially William H. Macy and Taya Leone, they really don't... And I know they part of the film as they are meant to be deceitful in the initial parts of the film, but I just really think they are awful, especially William H. Macy. I don't mind him generally, but he's terrible in this. Sam Neill's dependable, and I love Sam Neill, like you do. Um, but I like the fact this is... This film is less focused on why the dinosaurs are there and it just gets on with action, just gets on with the peril. Yeah. And that's what I like about it. This has got, and a lot of, lot of people say, you know, The Lost World has got the gymnastic um, part. But the film itself, it's got, it's got some brilliant moments as well. Like the, the Jeep over the cliff is wonderful, but I just oh, think yeah. Jurassic Park 3 is consistently better for a film which still isn't great. It just seems to be more consistent. It's just the main actors are awful apart from sam neil lost world gets a little bit of a bump because of the spielberg attachment because he yeah. actually did it and i think people are like no way is the joe johnston jurassic park 3 better than spielberg but i think the ending of lost world is also really bad like the the t-rex like the king kong yeah, element yeah. of it all and it just doesn't work like king kong does you know and they go for the tone is all over the place in lost world like it is like one minute it wants you to be really serious and, and dire. And then next minute it's going, it's leaning real hard on the Goldblum humor. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think they got the wrong notes from the first film. Like, yes, Goldberg is amazing in the first film and his humor is there, but he's not the lead. And then I think they like leaned into him being the lead too much. And that's why you get a lot of this just imbalance of tone throughout the film that, that stinks. So like Jurassic Park three, it knows what it is. It's like, it's a horror movie. It's a monster in the house type horror movie. And it has those bad moments as opposed to like, it never feels like it's not, it, it always feels like it knows what it's trying to do. It's just got those bad little elements that make it not a great overall movie, but not uh, totally watchable for sure. I just didn't like how the lost world went to San Diego. And I I am looking forward to dominion for the reason that the the diners are loose, but I just thought the lost world felt, you know, like Predator, whereas Predator 2, actually, I quite enjoy that when you get the Predator in suburbia in the city. I like that too, actually. That's like, most people hate the second no, Predator, I but I enjoyed it. It, whereas yeah. it just felt really tacked on in The Lost World. I just didn't like it. But um, yeah, Jurassic Park 3, both seem to think it's flawed, but not bad. Um, I am uh, a big fan of The Mummy and The Mummy Returns. Um, I don't like the third one or, or the the Scorpion King spinoff, really. Um and there's bad stuff in Returns. Don't get me wrong. The Scorpion King being the bad part in Returns. Like, it looks bad. <laughs> it does not hold up at all. It's some horrible 2001 CG. But I love Brandon Fraser, and I am a big, big Rachel Vice fan. Yep, so, like, same. those two together. Uh, and, again, the first one, far superior to Returns. But I think Returns is very, very watchable. Um, and I, I enjoy that movie a lot. I enjoy those two. I really wish they'd stop there. Um, especially because now there's like seven Scorpion King movies, like with all like straight to DVD, like knockoff replacements for The Rock. Um, it, it's it's pretty bad, like uh, how they've gone. Like I don't know how that became the franchise for like home video. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. how many different variations could there be? But 
Apparently, like, there's like a, they must just have awful. like yeah, they must have access to like a set of like Egypt somewhere that they just keep reusing or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That they're like, yeah, we might as well. But uh, I'm a fan of that movie. I really like it. I'm not. I'm not sure where you fall with it, but uh, I I don't mind. I don't mind it. I again, the first film is the first film is by far the better film, and uh, the top ten has got a few sequels or sort of like next installments which fail to live up to their predecessor. We just mentioned JP three. Not much is going to uh, live up to Jurassic Park anyway. But The Mummy Returns, it, it it wasn't as good as the first film. It, it felt a little bit soulless at times. And Dwayne Johnson as the Scorpion King, this is his debut, feature film debut anyway. Uh, yep, it's just yep. the, the whole CGI. And, if, and people can say it was 2001. And I mentioned uh, another film, like, you know, it looks good for the most. Like Shrek, it looks fine for the most part. It, there is janky parts, but animation this is cgi they're fully cgi dwayne johnson's face in that as a scorpion king it looks horrible but the film i mean look brendan fraser you know he sells these films without brendan fraser in these films the particular set of films they lose something the first film and this one though i mentioned it feels a bit soulless but it still has that kind of like old school fun element of action which i think is lacking a lot nowadays and i don't know if students are too scared to do that but brendan fraser has that kind of like He's he's a he's a leading man who you can kind of relate to. You can have a bit of fun with. He goes all in with his performances, and he sells these films as well as does Rachel Weisz. I think she is great, and she has more to do in this film as well. But the first, yeah, the first film's better. I wasn't. I'm not as hot on this one as you are, but it's still better than um, some of the other films in this ten to four list. Because, like we said, like you just mentioned Jurassic Park, but then we also get Planet of the Apes remake and Hannibal as a sequel to Silence of the Lambs. Um, so the bottom four of the top 10 are all sequels and none of them are perfect um or i guess planet of the apes technically a reboot but my god does it barely resemble uh the original and it it's it is easily one of my least favorite tim burton films like yeah and i like Wahlberg if cast correctly if cast correctly um, but he's often miscast, and I think this is one of those movies he's where they terrible in the lead in this film. And yeah. I have had issues with Mark Wahlberg, but that's mainly because of the characters he he's made to play and the Transformers franchise. But in this film, he legit is miscast and isn't great as the lead. But uh, Hannibal was man, I had fun watching it. Uh, I I still can't wrap my head around that it's Ridley Scott. My brain will not accept that fact. Like I I'm like, no, there's no way Ridley Scott would make this movie. Like like. The dude's Wait, got it? such a weird filmography. <laughs> no, well, Jonathan Demme was going to do it, wasn't he? But then he read the book. Basically, he was all he, Jonathan Demme and uh, Jodie Foster were both signed up. They both said, "Look, we'll definitely do a follow up to Silence of the Lambs." As soon as I can't remember the dude's name who wrote the book, but as soon as he writes the book, well, you know, and it's snapped up, we'll sign on. The book is released. They read it, and immediately they're like, "Nope, not having any part of this." Uh, so Ridley Scott got the job and Clarice is now played by Julianne Moore and that's what I can't wrap my head around and I know it's what uh, 10 years after Silence of the Lambs in, in in universe in story but I'm still like you know you're not you're not you're not Clarice you're not Ron it, yeah. I can't even though Juliet Moore, Julianne Moore sorry is is she's fine she has a decent job but you know that role is so synonymous with Hopkins and Foster Lecter and Stalin the two go hand in hand and I struggled with that element uh, other than the film not being the best sequel in itself. It's not the best film. It's more gory and explicit than the first film, but it's, I don't know. And the Gary Oldman's in it. You wouldn't know, but he's in it. 
I didn't mind Hannibal, but I, I, well, that's a gen- generous. I wasn't a huge fan of Hannibal. It's not the worst film in the world. A lot of people crap on it, and, you know, really do go to town on it. Yeah, it's not the worst film in the world by any means. It's not the worst sequel on this list, but it's, you know, it's give or take for me. And the fact that Ridley Scott directs it is just bonkers. So, I was very late to Ocean's Eleven. Like, I think I saw Ocean's Eleven like a year ago or something like that. I, I have become a Steven Soderbergh fan quite a bit, actually. I think I like him too much at some point. Like, at one point, I, I didn't really even, like, acknowledge him as the director. I was like, yeah. whatever, Ocean's Eleven's a remake. I have no interest. And then they did 12 and 13, and I thought those, how lame. I still haven't seen 12 or 13, to be fair. <laughs> but I, I really like Ocean's Eleven. I, I think I like Logan Lucky more now than when I first saw it. Uh, it's become, like, I've kind of become more familiar with Soderbergh. I really like High Flying Bird. I liked Unsane. Um, I like The Laundromat uh, as well. Like, I'm just kind of kind of going through and i've seen a few of his other films i still have i'm missing a few of his filmography but um oceans 11 man i i was so late on this movie but it's it's really good believe it yeah. or not so it's good yeah so silly me for being a snobbish 19 year old if you watch it from the perspective of an englishman as i do and then listen to don cheadle talking as with a london accent Ooh. jesus i'm thinking you know, if 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 ever I'm feeling kind of down the dumps or I need to ch- need to be cheered up, I I go to w- watch Keanu Reeves in Dracula on YouTube. Oh, so check, bad! Like Inferno, go to check all Inferno. that. Reminded me of this film and remembering Don Cheadle was in it. His London accent is outrageous. Leave it out, you tossers! You had one job, and watching him try to like Michael Caine's way through his his scenes is horrible. Is one of the worst accents in history. But the film itself is great. It's fun. It's stylish. It's cool. The cast is outrageously talented, of course. And the heist scene—when you build, you build up to the heist. You've got to pay off, and the heist scene rocks in this film. It really does. And Brad Pitt always eating is like just one of my favorite like, <laughs> yeah. things. Yeah, I just love Brad Pitt's one of my favorite things. I love Brad Pitt. Um, I'm a, about yeah. Pearl Harbor. Did you see that man? Okay, so this is the only film on this list that I have not seen. Right. Um, for I think a couple of reasons I'm not a big, I'm not a big Michael Bay fan although I 2001 I don't think I was aware of Michael Bay I probably would have said I was a fan because I loved Bad Boys so I probably would have been like oh Michael Bay but I didn't like Armageddon which at the time I didn't realize was Michael Bay I'm I'm right that was before yeah yeah it was yeah it was 98 yeah. I think and what it it wasn't Bay's attachment to that that stopped me it was Affleck's attachment to wow. Armageddon that stopped me um I think I had kind of soured on Affleck at that point and uh and so i just was like whatever and i also i'm not like i'm not opposed to war movies but i'm not drawn into them yeah and so i i think yeah i think so and so i think uh yeah with uh patent and stuff it's just not my default um type of movie i'm often engaged and moved by them uh in many cases but i still am not it's not like a draw for me um to go watch it so pearl harbor's just never had that pull and then now i've heard you know a lot of criticism about it and stuff so i've i have no i mean god you're looking at the uh critic scores wow i had no idea it was that low on the critic score of 24 rt yeah that's uh i i have no desire to sit through it at this point so it's the lowest ranked film according to rotten tomato score in the top 10 i i have seen pearl harbor it's you know, it's not good. It's overly long. It's about three and a half hours long or something ridiculous like that. It's at least three hours long. It's Michael Bay. 
Okay, so the action scenes, you know, they're fine. Things go bang and they look impressive. Uh, so the actual action scenes of Pearl Harbor are, how do I, well, you know, in all in all good taste, they're you know they're fine. They're well executed. They, in terms of a film, they're good to watch. They satisfying. The event itself wasn't. Don't misquote me, of course. But what a lot of people have issues with is the, is the romance, which takes up a lot of the movie. But yeah. a lot of people then say, "Well, Titanic did it." Yeah, but Titanic they gave us characters to like kind of connect with, to root for and characters who formed a connection here. Michael Bay doesn't do that whatsoever. Unfortunately, Ben Affleck and Josh Hartner are both trying to woo Kate Beckinsale. Can't blame them, but you just don't care about them. You genuinely don't. You kind of like, you don't, you're never really given a reason to root for these characters. Therefore I don't care about the romance. So when, 80% 80% or 75% of the film is romance a la Titanic. Man. I don't care. So when, then when the end comes, I'm kind of like, great, the action's here. Here's something I can enjoy or cling on to. But it's in terms of like it's uh, authenticity, it's horrifically incorrect. And also a lot of people have said to me, well, no, you can't beat a film for being factually incorrect. You know, film are meant to take liberties. But I always say, yes, you can beat them because... Pearl Harbor is such a well-known event and the film takes itself so seriously that it's unforgivable to me that a film that takes itself so seriously and tries to put itself yeah, like as a period film most at times, then completely takes liberty. I mean, wouldn't you... you man, something like we mentioned 9-11. If you're going to make a film about 9-11, everybody knows the story. Don't try and change it. You know, don't try, don't try and put things in that didn't happen, which fundamentally changed the event which is what happened in Pearl Harbor. So much was changed. It's like, you, you can't do that to such a, you know, a well-known and tragic event. Yeah. So Especially when you could just make it a fictional event and do whatever you want. It could resemble well, Pearl Harbor, exactly, but you could call it something so. else. Like, there's no reason to call it Pearl Harbor except for, hey, you know this story already. What if we got the human side? Like, that would be if Cameron was just like, no, Titanic wasn't sunk by an iceberg. It was actually a torpedo. Yeah, you know, like, if he just, yeah, it just went crazy with it or something yeah, it's but. just that i mean so some films they can take liberties because you may not know the story or they are quote unquote based on a true story which we all know is yes. loose this isn't this is pearl harbor this is a true story a real life event which caused the united states to enter world war Two. so and then it, it does lead on to it does go into tell that story and those scenes are pretty good so it's not the worst film i've ever seen but it's certainly very very a, a long long way away from the even the middle section, mid-tier films I've ever seen, it's just very forgettable. It's not great, and it's just not well executed, which is a shame for a film about such a like monumental event. Well, that is the bottom seven. Yes. Let's look at our top three. Uh, number three was a film that I waited to see several years because I was, again, too cool for cartoons, <laughs> and that's Monsters Incorporated, the Disney-slash-Pixar film directed by Pete Docter. I guess spelled slightly different than the traditional spelling stars John Goodman, Billy Crystal, Steve Buscemi, James Coburn, and Jennifer Tilly has a $115 million budget, but worldwide gross of 577 million, uh, 96 Rotten Tomato score and 79 Metacritic, which is a little low. I would say I, I don't remember exactly when I saw this for the first time, but it was after my daughter. Uh, so it it was after 2004, but I think it was probably like she was three or four when we finally sat and watched this. And, um, I wasn't sure if I would like it, and I loved it, and I still very much love Sully and uh, Mike Wiskowski. 
big fan of I'm I'm generally a big fan of John Goodman anyways, but I love him as Sully and Buscemi is really good as the villain in this. Uh I I it's a it's a really fun movie. It's uh heartbreaking at times, but also encouraging at others. It, it's great. I'm a I'm definitely obviously if you haven't listened to anything I've done, I am a big Pixar supporter. There is very few movies in their their uh, filmography that I don't back completely. So, Monsters Inc. Hey, no surprise, great movie. Uh, I guess seeing it with your daughter when she was three or four is probably the best time for you to watch it because Monsters Inc. is full of messages about you know father figures uh, and positivity and things like that and friendship. So and the bonds you make. So probably a great time to watch it with your with your yeah. daughter. Um, I don't. Yeah, Monsters Inc. I I did see this when it came out, and I I remember watching it then and thinking this is, and then they're rewatching it thinking, you know what, this is pretty good. Boo and Sully's relationship is great. I love their relationship, and even though uh, Billy Crystal as Mike is fine, I much prefer John Goodman as Sully. I don't go back to this very often or at all though. Monsters Inc. Not because I didn't like it, because I you know I do. I think it's a very good film. I just don't. I'm, whereas other Pixar films, I'm drawn to a lot more. I'll revisit them. Monsters Inc. isn't one. I certainly not Monsters University. Monsters Inc. I don't go back to this one at all. Really, and, um, I don't. I don't know why. Is this one which you've gone back to at all? I've. I mean, I've seen it a few times, but no, it's not one of the ones that I would like repeat. Like I, I'll watch Toy Story pretty much whenever. Mm-hmm. Like uh, uh, Monsters Inc. I, I've seen a few times for sure, but no, it's not one that pulls me. And partly because it is a little more emotional. Um, like to me, like with, with the story with Boo, but also with the, uh, the friendship and the t- uh, tumultuous friendship between, uh, Mike and Sully. So I, uh, yeah, no, it's not one that I, I'm like drawn to watch, but I, I feel like it's because it's not as fun collectively. However, it's one I quote a lot, especially this year, the 2319 thing with like everyone oh, freaking out. I've yep. been making that comparison to people coughing now. Like, you know, someone coughs in public, you're just like 2319 and everyone <laughs> um, contaminated right because it's pandemic so uh we get paranoid but also i guess now there's other weird parallels like the kind of corrupt capitalistic nature of uh the monsters incorporated yeah. um keeping information from the public there's a lot a lot to read into in that movie right now so you know yeah uh, maybe we should be revisiting monsters Inc. <laughs> yeah maybe monsters inc was the key to all of this maybe it knows all of it I've mentioned janky animation CGI. Monsters, Inc. looks great for the it time, does. actually. Yeah. Especially Sully. And I know a lot of people pull out Sully, but like Sully looks great for 2001. Like that, The work on his hair, and like yeah. each individual strand has its own movement. It's not just like um, Jedi Fallen Order Wookiee level, which is just like matted hair. And I love that game. This is, you know, this is really good animation. And it's Pixar, you would expect that. But we are still talking 20 years ago. But I think they, the animation-wise, it's, it's impressive. Agreed, actually. Again, looking at those RT scores, 96. I can't I can't confirm yet until we go through the list whether that's the highest or not. But 96% is, well, to be fair, it's a Pixar. And they generally are quite high on the RT score. 79 Metacritic. But I'm, I'm actually quite pleased with that. Because Metacritic, obviously, yeah. the where they pull their scores from, they're obviously a little bit more disconcerting. So Not disconcerting, they're a bit more... Um, they're not quite as far-reaching, wide-reaching as Rotten Tomato, so I still think it's a pretty good score for them. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a positive score. I mean, the big difference, RT is just every critic basically said it was good. There was only a few down critics where uh, Metascore is a more accurate, like where in the scale of good does it fall. Um, 
And so 79, it's a C plus basically, you know, and that seems probably right. I guess I, I would have probably gone B myself, but you know, I would have gone for at least a, a B plus at least. So that's monster number three. So number two in 2001, <laughs> we're getting to the big hits now. The Lord of the Rings, the fellowship of the ring only made it to number two in 2001, distributed by new line. And of course, directed by Peter Jackson, and it stars, well, who didn't it stars? Probably easier, but it stars Elijah Wood, Ian McKellen, Liv Tyler, Viggo Mortensen, Sean Astin, Kate Blanchett, John Rhys Davis, Billy Boyd, Dominic Monaghan, Orlando Bloom, Sir Christopher Lee, Hugo Weaving, Sean Bean, Ian Holm, Andy Serkis. 93, $93 million budget. It seems awfully low, but it well, it raked in $887.8 million at the Worldwide Box Office with a 91% Rotten Tomatoes and 92 on Metacritic, it's fair to say this film was universally adored. Uh, for good reason, it's incredible. Fellowship of the Ring is just excellent. The trilogy, spoiler, is possibly the greatest trilogy of all time. But this first film, these f- first films in the trilogy have that, you know, what's have the prop, the hurdles. You've got to meet the characters, you've got to establish everything. But the Fellowship does that brilliantly. We meet all the characters, we get, we see the locations, the Shire the establishment of the fellowship and everywhere uh, that they all come from the scope and the scale of translating Tolkien's words onto the big screen. Obviously they had the challenge of staying true to his vision, but they've got to make it accessible for a mainstream audience, which clearly they did look at how many people went to see it. Yeah. Chucky and Howard scores incredible score just for this film, let alone all three of them. Uh, all three films done back to back to back in beautiful New Zealand. What, I mean, how much better can you get as an actor? You know, that, as, in, as your trade is that backdrop every morning. The quotes from this film: "One does not simply walk into Mordor. You shall not pass the intro." And then you get, um, "You have my axe and my bow." Yeah, wizard is never late here. He, he, nor is he early arise precisely when he means to. If you want him, come and claim him. It, there's so much about this film which is. He's that word iconic. It is for me one of the best films there is. Ian McKellen is fantastic as Gandalf in an ensemble piece. Everyone is very good. Ian McKellen is great as Gandalf, but this has got so many wonderful set pieces. But but they don't feel like set piece after set piece after set piece. That all links in so well. Like the the opening prologue with Sauron and Isildur with the narration, the the party in the Shire to start with. Um, then things like we mentioned the Balrog in Moria scene when they're at Rivendell with the elves uh, and the further on into the film you get so many incredible moments everybody is wonderful I don't know man I don't know if I'm overselling this film but <laughs> I could go on for a long time about the fellowship I really dig the fellowship of the ring and how Peter Jackson managed to pull it off I know that's trilogy talk, but even this first film, make it as good as he did and as accessible as he did, is a masterstroke, I think. I will uh, speak to that um, in a moment, like, not in a moment, right now. I'll speak to it right now. Um, I had no interest in seeing this when it came out. Uh, it, mm-hmm. I was not big into fantasy, and um, I obviously, uh, it, it was it was not something that I was like, I had not read the books. I'd read The Hobbit in like, eighth, like eight, sixth or seventh grade, I think. And we watched yeah. like the old animated movie with the the book, and um, I don't even think we read the whole Hobbit. I think we just read like excerpts uh, in in class or whatever. But um, I wasn't like attached to the property or anything, and I don't remember 
uh, exactly who, but I know I was dragged to it with, um, with my girlfriend at the time and her family, I think. And like somebody mm-hmm. in that group really wanted to see it. And I had like no attachment to it. And then I also saw it was really long and I was like, Oh my God, like this is going to be That's torture. A theatrical cut. Right. That was, yeah, I had no idea what, what would come <laughs> later, but I, um, I was blown away. I really did love it. Uh, I was like shocked how I was sucked into the world, how beautiful the world was. Um, you know, I was already a fan of Elijah Wood. I'd seen him in other things and, and I liked him. I had not, uh, known Vigo Mortensen. So I was, you know, into that, but like I recognized other people. Um, I got into, but it brought me into a whole other world, uh, at least opened up my mind to the possibility of being into like fantasy. Um, for some reason, it had just never been my thing. Um, you know, I was really in like, oddly, I'm very different now. I was into sports and comic books. Those were like the two <laughs> like things that I was really into. Um, comic books has kind of stayed. Yes. Comics have stayed for sure. But, uh, Sports has has wavered quite a bit, um, but I was like really into basketball, and that was kind of my thing. And uh, yes, no, uh, still don't like soccer. Um, but I I will say though, as much as I love this movie, and I bought them as soon as they came out, mm-hmm. I don't think I've rewatched it in its entirety in a long time. I may have seen it two times all the way through, but I have I've never sat through the uh, the director's cut and. The couple of times that we tried, because my wife also, um, my daughter's name was originally going to be Arwen uh, because oh, wow. of Tyler's character. And that I, I had not, like, that was my wife knowing, like, a fan of the movies without me. That was her thing. But we we tried to show Taylor this when she was maybe, like, I don't know, eight or nine. And she just was, like, clearly not. It was, like, yeah. too much. Um, I, I, I feel like a movie like this needs a theater to take away all distraction. Um, and especially the first time. Right. And, uh, I gotta admit as much as I enjoyed it, I think clerks too. There is a scene with Randall where he kind of like nitpicks the, the fellowship of the ring and whatnot. And I think he, he, he knocks a lot of the things that I kind of feel like, I think it's great. I just, man, the idea of like sitting through it again and like knowing how it's all going to play out. It's like, yes, it's great. At the same time, so much of it is walking like so much of it is walking and take that back it's so true it's so much walking but it's yeah at least in the prequels it's walking and talking now i hear that i've seen it you know i watch uh i don't i wouldn't say i watch them annually but i do watch them fairly regularly but at the same time i don't always pay attention per se like i can put the fellowship on tonight and have it on in the background whilst i'm typing away and look up at major moments or kind of when when the shire theme comes on which is the one theme in film history which just makes me smile it warms my heart and there's nothing more positive than a than a lord of the rings soundtrack youtube comment section yes a youtube comment section. just go and check yeah. them man everyone's just beautiful but the concerning hobbits theme is man it, it honestly it's some, I'm such an emotional piece i don't know what it is but every time i hear it, it stops my track and it just takes me somewhere else and it makes me feel good for that kind of 4 minutes but I can get why you wouldn't sit through it uh, religiously, though. Yeah, I can see that. On that note, I still think it's great. I still think it's excellent. I, it's just I have friends that are like you. Uh, well, you are one of my friends, but like now you are added to a list of friends of people who just you know religiously watch this movie. Uh, and I do know a lot of the quotable lines, but I know those more from mean culture than from my own experience of watching them. Um, but I do. Uh, I do appreciate them. I think they're they're brilliant. I think they're gorgeous films too. And uh, 
especially when you talk about like the effects that we in the other movies from this year, I think it's crazy with how Peter Jackson advanced the technology to do it. Um, I wish the Hobbit was more successful because there are elements of the Hobbit that I love, but then there's like so much, like we're talking about like stretching things out too long. That's what the Hobbit is most guilty for. And I know that for some people, this is the trilogy. Mm Mm-hmm. I have come with a very strong set of like, I've accepted that my trilogy is back to the future. That is my number one group of movies. Like as a collective trilogy, that is my comfort. And I get that for other people, that is what Lord of the Rings is. And some it's star Wars and star Wars would be above Lord of the Rings for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, uh, back to the future is a movie that I do what you just said. I can come back to every year and rewatch. I can probably come back to every couple of months and just rewatch. And I just, it brings me so much joy in every way. Um, and I get that. And if you have that with Lord of the Rings, awesome. I just don't have that kind of time though. Like that is, that is a commitment. Like I can knock through the back to the future trilogy in like six and a half hours or something like that. You know, it's done. That's like the director's cut of the first movie. Oh, I think for Lord I, of the Rings. I could only watch the extended editions now and they are like four. Hours. But to be fair though, literally 40 minutes of these films are credits. And I'm, I tell no lie. One of the credits in one of the films is like 40 minutes long. So you look at the runtime, you can easily shave 30 to 40 minutes off because that is just the credits. Um, but the DVD extras are the best of all time on Lord of the Rings, even better than the Star Wars prequels. But now I can get why people wouldn't want to sit through religiously and watch these. And fantasy wasn't my jam either. And it still really isn't now. But these films, I don't know what it is. They, they, I really dig them. And I did read the books as a kid. My dad gave me the books and he's like, read these. So I guess I got that resonance. But I can see why, man. I just started playing uh, D&D and yes. I've gotten more into fantasy over the last 10 years. So I probably need to revisit them because I think I would appreciate it on a, in a bigger way now. Then again, I've also seen Orlando Bloom and other things and have soured on him quite a bit. Uh, Legolas was like my favorite part when I first saw this. I thought he was so awesome. The way he the bow and everything is so cool. Um, that's still like some of my most vivid memories was him and Gimli. Uh, definitely a big fan of that moment. But yeah. Yeah, uh, again, great movie. In no way am I saying it's not. No, I just, no. It's not one that I keep coming back to. No, that's fair enough. But we've had a fantasy film for number two. So, John, if that wasn't number one in 2001, what on earth what could be? was? It's, it's insane to think that there could be another movie the same year that does it. But I, I don't know, Matt. It seems weird because I've never actually heard of this movie. Same. It, it's Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone? Who, what, is the Philosopher. what is this Anglophile rubbish? Uh, it, for those of you who don't know the the uh, the UK release, uh, was it everywhere else but America? I think so, yeah, because it was the original book. Obviously, when it's released, was the Philosopher's Stone. Yeah, apparently, philosophers are more hard to believe than sorcerers for Americans. Um, uh, go figure. Uh, or maybe they're just like, I don't want to watch a movie about Socrates. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, or in the US, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Um directed by uh sorry distributed by warner brothers directed by chris columbus um kind of i guess he kind of directs it uh daniel radcliffe rupert grant emma watson john cleese robbie coltrane warwick davis um i always forget he's in that richard griffiths uh, richard harris ian hart john hurt alan rickman fiona shaw maggie smith julie waters man that cast um 125 million budget but then it would make 1 billion worldwide uh is that the first movie to no titanic has to be the first movie to duh what am i saying but it's one of the first uh, few movies to hit a billion dollars uh 81 rotten tomato 864 meta score so here's the thing matt Go on. i am a big harry potter fan yes you are i was not in 2001 <laughs> if anything i was like 
like yeah the book movies Dude, these and so i did not see this movie until like until like 2008 at the earliest <laughs> um whenever order of phoenix came out i watched the movies for the first time i saw all of them before order of the phoenix came out order of the phoenix was the first one i saw in theaters so i uh i had like i was very much a hipster mindset about the harry potter franchise everyone was talking about the books when i was in high school i had no interest in the books mm -hmm. movie came out i hadn't read the books had no interest in the movie um and uh honestly to probably to the right thing because chris columbus is not the best director to tackle this this the books um and his movie is fine and i will hold up that the christmas sequence in the first movie is one of my favorite parts of the harry potter franchise because i love christmas movies and i love that sequence um also, the idea of magical food appearing on the table as any uh, now former fat guy, but nonetheless, any fat guy would love that That's idea. Right that you could pretty much ask for anything, and there it was. Um, so there's some cool stuff that I finally got to, but I, I still think the first movie is very entertaining. It's a little slow at times, but overall, it's it's great. Uh, there's some still iconic scenes from the whole franchise come from this, like the wizard's chess, um, and... Uh, and the first time we see Quidditch, right? Like Quidditch is awesome. Like right away, you're just like, "Can we play this for real?" Um, Some people do, but I, yeah, I've heard that actually. Um, it's obviously they're not on flying brooms, but they're you know I I have seen uh, those leagues and stuff. I think we tried to do a club at our school, um, and it didn't work. There wasn't enough like people coming to it or whatever. But um, I, I'm a big fan of the Harry Potter world now i was again i was very late to this and i i actually owe it to um percy jackson and the lightning thief the book series that i i came across when i was teaching that open there was only three books at the time so i needed something else to read i dove into harry potter and then i decided to watch the movies um and lord of the rings i think though that same from 2001 definitely helped open me up to the possibility of a fantasy and then again now i've really embraced that whole world and i i, I still wouldn't say fantasy is my go-to I think I lean sci-fi over fantasy, but I do. Uh, I have a, a, a place for fantasy in my in my world now, and, and Harry Potter is a part of it. Yeah, man. Uh, I was even later than you. I first saw this film in 2012, I think. Um, my partner at the time liked Harry Potter, and I, I had read all the books, had all the books on the shelf, and I was like, "Ha! Huh, I've never, I've never read this dark stuff." I didn't quite say that, but um, then I was, and she's like, "Okay, well, let's watch the films." And I was like, "Okay, I'll watch the films." So I've heard a lot about the films. I remember when I worked in retail in 2005 uh, and the Half-Blood Prince novel came out and I, and I worked the late shift, so I think it was like 10 o'clock in the, in the evening till 7am because the book came out at midnight and good. I went outside to have a little peek to see how many people were there, thinking, you know, there'd be a few people. There were queues around the block and there's a huge car park and the queue went around the car park two or three times just to get the Half-Blood Prince and that's when I was like... 2005 like, well, maybe this is a big deal but i still hadn't read the books um so 2012 i sat down and watched it with uh, my old partner and i just remember watching the first one and at the time thinking okay this is fine this is okay and then we kind of binged them we'd we watched a film a night so um was it eight films uh yeah eight films seven books eight films so over the course of a week and of course they got you know the, the further they went especially part three they got better and better Rewatching the film for this episode, you know, I like this film. It's, it's fun and it's charming. It's you mentioned a Christmas scene, so it's like a, it's almost like a Christmas film for me. But just face it, the child acting's a bit iffy for a lot of it, but they all went on to do okay. It looks good. It sounds good. I know this is going to sound very obvious, but rewatching it, it is very much the first part of an ongoing saga 
Like it is very much setting everything else up. But it's I mean it's other than I I, I like the film. It's jo, it's got John Williams' score. It's wonderful Harry Potter theme. The magic of Hogwarts. I mean it's magical, isn't it? Who wouldn't want to spend fall and winter at Hogwarts, man? I mean I would. The scene where the students are on the boats drifting to Hogwarts is just magic. You know, with the lanterns, you think, yes, please. Uh, you mentioned a Quidditch game. Uh, you, we get to meet the Dursleys and um, Harry Melling before he became a Coen Brothers favourite and that film he was in recently, of which I've already forgotten what it was. The It's just a great start to like building this world. Again, like Lord of the Rings, people had doubts whether they could really translate these films to screen, uh, books to screen, sorry. And they did. They, and they did really well, especially as they went on. And, you know, Ron, Harry and Hermione, I said, they're, they're, they're like, they're like the, uh, the elementary Luke Hahn and Leia. It's great. I, you know, every British actor except Hugh Grant and Patrick Stewart is in this film, I think. Um, even Ian McKellen was due to be in it, but he went on to do Gan- began that instead. It's just a great, for me, it's always been a great tribute to Britain's talent because it's all filmed in Britain. Everyone in the cast is Brit- British as J.K. Rowling or he, she should not be named as she's called now. Uh, was stipulated that you know you can you can you can make these films but everyone's got to be british and jesus for, for an island so little a talent that is just bleeding out of the seams of this film is unreal and for the first film like taking it out of the saga for the first film i think there's a good kids film it's a good family film you can watch this with the family with the kids and it's not going to cause any offense for this film and it went but it did obviously go on to bigger and better things but i like harry potter and a philosopher's stone is it? I mean, I can I can see why it's the number one film. If if you're going to compare it to Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, Harry Potter seems more accessible. Like you've just said, you, if sure. somebody like yourself, you look at Lord of the Rings and you think, oh yeah, orcs, trolls, goblins. Whereas Harry Potter is a lot more light-hearted in tone, or even like the posters look a lot more fancy-free and fanciful. Um, this is the first time in film history as well that two films grossed more than eight hundred million dollars in the same year. So there's a milestone already, but um, I like Harry Potter and a Philosopher's Sorcerer's Stone. I like the other films better, but I still like this film an awful lot. John, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone or the Fellowship of the Ring, which one would you rather put on now? Ooh. I'm going to, oh man, that's that's a hard question, but I honestly, I think I'm bigger Harry Potter, so I'd probably go Harry Potter. Also, I feel like I... I feel like I can let that one play in the background and won't be like too distracted and know when to look up where I, it's been a while since I've seen Lord of the Rings. So I think I would end up getting immersed into it and knowing that it's like a chunk of my day would be gone. But Harry Potter philosopher's stone slash sorcerer's stone is longer than I think some of the other ones. Oh um, yes. Even though it shouldn't be it because the book is shorter by, by far compared to like the later books. But for some reason the movie feels longer I think they were maybe uh, too precious and unwilling to cut. Anything. Yes, yes, and Chris Columbus, like you say, uh, the uh, some of the directors they got on board afterwards were a bit more, I would say, cutthroat, but they translated the the novel uh, slightly differently, and some may say better. But hell, for an entrant point, entry point into the franchise, it's fun, and the kids give it that you know that bounce, that energy, even though I say like, at times, especially towards the end of the film, it is very shaky. The child acting. But they they give yeah. that effervescence and that you know that vibe to the film, which is makes it eminently rewatchable. And obviously, what it's gone on to spawn and the books, of course, the book started it all off, is incredible. So, well, and 
amazing talent from Radcliffe and Watson who have gone on to really great indie careers. Like they both have done a couple of other big movies, but both have done a lot of indie stuff where they're really, really good. I think Radcliffe wins overall. I think Watson's done a few more duds uh, collectively than what Radcliffe has done, but I've enjoyed him in almost everything I've seen him in, even if the movie itself isn't always great. Um, but uh, another note, I think is why this movie I think would have done better is the new is, is more relevant. Like, because a lot of people hadn't read Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. who were not into fantasy where people who weren't into fantasy were reading the Harry Potter books because they were like on the bestsellers list and everyone was talking about them. So I think that it just had that built in audience so firmly attached. And uh, it's interesting though, because I think so often we think of movies, uh, book adaptations are always just kind of frowned upon and the book is always better and all that. And like, sure. It, the book is different though. They're doing different things. Mm-hmm. We have two really great examples of what a book to movie uh especially like these books because these are both like very beloved books from its their audience Mm -hmm. and i think both got a lot of respect from them as movies as well it's not like oh well the book is better and i'm sure people still say that the book is better but i think that these movies stand alone without the book and do really really well and people you know think of them as great movies even again i think harry potter collectively the first two films are not as strong as some of the later entries but they're still really good adaptations of the book for the most part so yep i agree mate and yeah you're right actually in terms of two great adaptations and i hadn't seen the read the books and i very much enjoy the world and the films as well so that's a top 10 uh average rt score was 64 percent, and the average metacritic was 63.4 so not the highest uh year in terms of uh, critic scores but so just quickly then jb Top ten is it a strong? Is it a fairly strong, or is it? Or are you thinking like I am and thinking it's a bit hit and miss? It's definitely hit or miss. Um, but you get these kind of you know flaky sequels. Uh, I think the the three like real standouts of not being loved are Pearl Harbor, Planet of the Apes, and Hannibal. Uh, I think all three of those to some degree are loathed, um, especially Planet of the Apes and Hannibal. I think those two movies are reviled by most people and. Pearl Harbor, I feel like, is mostly forgotten, which for an epic war movie is not the norm. So, you know, and a big budget epic war movie, too. It's not like it was some, you know, indie film that just didn't cut it. Like, this is, this should have been probably Michael Bay's level Titanic, and it's it sank. Yep. But no pun intended. Or maybe there was. No, I, I agree. For this, I mean, Pearl Harbor should have been very good. Jurassic Park 3 probably could have been better, should have been better. Hannibal had all the ingredients to be very good. Um, you know, and the Mummy Returns coming off a very decent first film could have been better for me anyway. So we we could have been looking at a really strong top ten here, whereas it's kind of saved by the upper echelons a little bit. The top five are really strong yeah, movies. Though, I agree. So that's the balance. So it's fifty. It's fifty fifty. It's hit and miss. But um, okay. Well, that was the top ten then in two thousand and one. The Money Makers. What were some of the other flicks to release in two thousand and one? Notable releases. Yes, this is where we talk about the other films that were released in 2001. Of course, not every single one because we haven't got all year. But, um, you know, some of the bigger the bigger films that were released or some of our favourites or some absolute turkeys that came out, which didn't make the top 10. They didn't bring the money in. Uh, and there was a lot of films released in 2001. And, uh, and there's a few we're going to mention. So, JB, uh, take us away with some of your like, picks from the notable releases. I'm going to start with some that I'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. 
and watched this week in preparation yes. for this episode. Um, so I had never seen Legally Blonde. And uh, a couple of years ago, I interviewed Michelle Miller um, on Top 5 Movie Podcast, and it was in her top five. And uh, I promised her that I would watch it. And I've been meaning to get to it. Finally, I was like, all right, this is it. I'm watching it now. And um, I liked it while I was watching it. And the more I've thought about it, the more I'm impressed with the movie. Nice. Uh, Reese Witherspoon is amazing. Um, but what they did with Selma Blair's character in the movie was even more impressive. Um, because usually her type of character is just like a caricature and doesn't doesn't grow or develop at all. But I think she develops a lot in the movie. And that was surprising. Um, and I just generally like Luke Wilson. I think he's great. Um, and so I really enjoyed that. I watched Frank Darabont's The Majestic. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I was surprised to see how low it was rated because it's also got like the op. It's one of those critics hate it, but uh, fans love it type of movies, which is kind of Darabont's wheelhouse, in my opinion. Like, you know, Shawshank is that same type of thing. I think critics are kinder to Shawshank, but I think collectively it's more beloved by the general audience than with mm-hmm. critics. Certainly at the time, um, definitely. Right. And so I, I like Jim Carrey. I'd never bothered to watch this. Uh, it's, it's got stuff that I really enjoy. And I found this odd because I've recently watched hail Caesar and um, uh, invasion of the body snatchers and uh, um, rear window, which are all uh, have to do with communist uh, blacklisting. And so like, coming into this movie now I was like this is a weird pattern of my movies in the last couple of weeks um three of which of those I taught and it was a coincidence that those things were all happening um so this movie having a lot to do with that was kind of surprising I didn't know that going in I actually I knew it was about a movie theater called The Majestic I didn't know any of the mm-hmm. other components I of the haven't film. seen it so I totally get oh uh it's it's worth watching it's not it's a little long it's, it's I'm sorry no it's very very long I didn't realize how long it was until I was like Oh man, this needs to be over. Um, it, it it definitely outstays its welcome. Uh, there's some good stuff in it. Jim Carrey's performance is solid, but um, I did. I'm glad I finally checked that one off the list. Uh, David Lynch, a filmmaker who I generally like, but admittedly often do not get. Um, I, I require other people to explain <laughs> a lot of the movies to me. Um, I've not had my chance to do that with Mulholland Drive, but I finally watched it. I bought this on uh, Criterion like three years ago, and I've been meaning to watch it since I bought it. Um, I think Naomi Watts is amazing yeah. in this movie. Um, it's definitely got Lynch vibes like all over it. Uh, the score especially is just like the Twin Peaks score again. Um, and that's not a criticism. That's just an acknowledgement that, dang, he's got it. He knows his wheelhouse, and he, he operates inside of it uh, very, very well. A really cool movie again another one though about like hollywood and filmmaking uh his is much more i would say cynical than uh the majestic majestic is much more whimsical and what was the other one i watched um uh, oh oh how did i miss it moulin rouge yes so i especially in 2001 i was not a fan of musicals i was like the anti-musical person i have very much come around on that and i admittedly i like a lot of musicals way more than i ever would have thought so um, I'm also a big fan of Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the fact that I hadn't seen Moulin Rouge is nuts. Um, and it's Ewan McGregor. I love Ewan McGregor. Uh, I had so much fun with this movie. I also didn't know if I had known the score or the, the soundtrack um, was pulled from like modern music and adapted. I probably would have been all over it beforehand because I or maybe not. Because, again, music elitist, uh, I wouldn't have admitted to liking a lot of the songs that are in this, the, the musical. But 
I loved it now. And Nicole Kidman's amazing. Hugh McGregor's amazing. I, I like Lake Wazamo and I think L- Lerman knows how to use his like energy really well. Mm-hmm. Cause I think he's great as Tybalt in Romeo and Juliet. And I think he's really good as the, is he like, he's a dwarf, I guess, which is probably not the right call in terms of casting for that reason. But <laughs> um, his performance is really good. And uh, I, I had a blast watching it. I was like totally into the movie. Super fun. I'm glad I finally watched it. Um, yeah. I I love I think Moulin Rouge is great. I really, really, really like Moulin Rouge. Um so I'm glad to hear that uh, you enjoyed it as well, man. Uh Mulholland Drive, yeah, I it's um the neo noir erotic mystery thriller, visually unnerving and beautiful at the same time. Great. I'm all in. Is that Lynch's best film? For me, it is. Cause there's just trying to work out what the hell is going on at the same time was good fun. But Going back to rewatch it, I still like the film an awful lot. I think it's Naomi Watts' best film as well. Um, she's so good. She's so good. Uh, I'll chuck in a few from the top then. AI, uh, Steven Spielberg and Will Smith. I saw this at the cinema and I wasn't a huge fan at the time, but apparently it's had not a resurgence or a reevaluation, but looking into it, a lot of people seem to really like AI. So maybe I need to yeah. rewatch that. I watched it for the first time, I think, a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was listening to the Blank Checks uh, Spielberg episode, they did the uh, the latter half of his career, and I had not seen that movie, so I watched it then. Um, and it, it's famously it was supposed to be Kubrick's last film, yes. and so this is Spielberg doing Kubrick essentially. Which also I think uh, knowing that going in, I had a big appreciation for. I don't think I would have appreciated that in two thousand one, um, despite the irony of it being two thousand one. Um, but I, I there's a lot of good stuff in that movie. It's also got some hard to like sit through scenes with uh, Osment being great um Haley joel underrated kid uh, maybe not underrated but i think we often kind of look at him as like he was a child star and now he's the gone he's still acting kid, yeah. he still does stuff but um he's really good in that for sure um yeah i need to rewatch that is what i noticed on the next one obviously one we both very much enjoy and that's amelie isn't it oh man i am such a big fan of jean-pierre genois mm. even despite despite him directing alien resurrection yeah um and Dominic Pinon being in that as well. Yes, he's in all of his movies. He is the. Uh, um, but I, I'm a big fan of Delicatessen, which we did for Bampocalypse. Uh, City of Lost Children is great, but Amelie, oh, it is the rom com version of those movies. Um, I personally feel like a lot of it uh, inspires Wright, Edgar Wright as well. I just think stylistically, Amelie feels like an Edgar Wright film in a lot of ways, and this would predate his movies by a few years. Um, I, I adore uh, Amelie so Sorry. much. I think interesting enough with 2001 too, because there's a lot of movies. I've seen a lot of movies on this list and we, we're not like Matt said, we can't name them all, but uh, this year introduces one of the biggest running franchises, which is the fast and the furious, which I did see in theaters. Uh, I really enjoyed the first movie. Uh, it hit my action sensibilities really hard. Um, I think I, for a minute, I'm like 19. I'm like, I want a street race. I have it. No way. Cars. The ability to do that. But uh, I was really into the whole thing. I thought I was I liked Vin Diesel because I had seen Pitch Black a few years before that. Oh, yeah. Um, so I was already kind of on board with him. I thought he was, you know, oh, that dude's awesome. Um, Paul Walker was likable, which I didn't make the connection, but I had seen Walker in Varsity Blue. So I kind of was already aware of him. And he's he's very charming. You can't deny Walker's charm. No, no. Uh, and it's it's man. I think that first movie still holds up. I think it's still entertaining. Um, obviously, the franchise takes a huge hard curve into the uh the spy genre in number five Man. but um but that first film is like it's very you know and again it, it's been made uh, it is point break 
it is like almost beat by beat point break um it's not my observation someone else has pointed that out you know but it is a hundred percent if you've seen point break it is the exact same plot just instead of surfing it's street racing and it's not as notable of a director because i actually don't know what else rob cohen has done but uh, I, I think that's it's a big movie that came out this year that didn't do as well. It's obviously not in the top 10, but look what it's done now. Like it's it's far crushed a lot of the other franchises on the, uh, the, of the list. Time. Yeah, especially at what number seven, like was in the top t- like five box office, I think. So, it's, yeah, it, it, even just like trailer views, like the Fast and Furious 7, I think had like the great, the most views of all time. It may still have the most viewed trailer of all time when it came out. People did. I mean, we gotta say, we're one step away oh, from Vin Diesel. But, becoming a car in these films they're yeah. getting so strange right they're going right. to space but see i'm not a huge fan of the franchise i did prefer it when it was a lot simpler like the first couple of films so. i i love the first movie i think the second movie is awful and it's partially because i don't think tyrese is a good actor and Nunu. uh tokyo drift i don't think is good um i i have to admit though four four is okay four tries to reboot to the first movie and then five takes it and goes completely off the rails, but it's so entertaining. I can't deny it. I, for a long time, did deny it. I refused to watch them. And then right before Hobbs and Shaw, I watched the, the all of them that I hadn't seen. And I was like, dang it, it, it's fun. I can't deny that it's fun. It's a fun movie. It's very action-packed. There's a lot of crazy stuff, stupid stuff, but very entertaining. Um, but this year has a lot of weird sequels, including... I think worthy of reference is Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. <laughs> like, <stop. laughs> I put it on the list because, come on, it's Paul Hogan. It's Crocodile Dundee, man. But I mean, because we had Jurassic Park 3, which no one thought was going to happen, right? Because there's only two books. So why would there be a third Jurassic it Park is. movie? And then um, we mentioned the reboot of Planet of the Apes. And uh, we get American Pie 2, which is not nearly as good as the first movie. But it's still got, if you like... 19 year old is going to love that movie because it's oh, like you kind of grew up with it you saw it in high school now they're in college you're in college it's like hey this is perfect um it's not perfect but you know whatever it was fun at the time. yeah american pie 2 doesn't quite lack it lacks something that the first one had and i did yeah, i dug the first one i still enjoy it now yeah it's a scary movie too let's show that in it's got oh, one of my man. favorite comedy moments in it yes scary movie strong too. not that one no. it's oh, not that yeah, one it's when part. um it's when james woods's character father Father McFeely, oh uh, yes, sees to possess girl called Megan Voorhees. She's he, he comes, he's the exorcist. So he comes into the room like spoofing Reagan McNeil. She's tied up to the bed and the head spins around, and he's just like, <laughs> he's like, you know, for want of a better term, he's like, screw this, I'm keeping it PG. The way James Woods delivers that line has me on in stitches. Even now, I watch it on YouTube and I have to rewatch and rewatch because I'm in tears at that. Um, there's another sequel that came out, but there was also a lot of crap horror films that came out this year, um, and a couple of decent ones as well. We had um, in terms of decent ones. We mentioned this on a recent episode of the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, but the others, the Nicole Kidman led, um, it's not really a horror film, it's a ghostly atmospheric thrill, but that came out this year, and it's good. I mean, we we both admitted we know we like that. Yeah, don't remake good. it. But then you get Thirteen Ghosts, which is horrific. I I saw that. I don't remember it at all. But it's yeah. just crap, basically. People get attacked and chased by ghosts in a really boring film, basically. And that's a remake as well. Jeepers Creepers came out. That started a franchise of awful films. And the director's a filthy child abuser. The film itself isn't horrible. It's just not great. It's Justin Lang. It's not great. Um, Itchy the Killer. It That is not for the weak stomach. It's very, very gory. Very, very dark at times. Um if we're talking like, talk horror movies, we got to bring up uh, Freddy Got Fingered, right? Like, 
quite possibly one of the scariest movies. I'll let you pull that one out. So Tom Green gets a film career because of his series, and it is the weirdest. All all you know about it is at one point he he makes an elephant ejaculate. That happens in this movie. Uh, but there's stupid, like catchy Tom Green type things. And if you were, uh, a, you know, I was of that era. MTV was really big at the time. So mm-hmm. yes, I watched the Tom Green show. Um, but now it's like, it's like, I can't, I look back and it's like, did that really happen? How did that happen? How did, how did Tom Green happen? And threading got fingered is the horrific evidence that it did. We can't forget it. We can't erase it. It did happen. We let him just man. Oh boy. Uh, ridiculous um but he was an internet celebrity before the internet celebrity thing was a thing like that's right like he ultimately now he wouldn't be on a network he'd be a youtuber and that's uh but man he he goes to the extremes he does some crazy stuff and i'm not gonna say he's never funny but boy it is it is definitely a movie that does not age well even the name doesn't age well right um bloody awful (laughs) but uh continuing for me um this would be the year that I would fully embrace uh, Kevin Smith mm-hmm. as my favorite director. Um, Jane and Silent Bob Strike Back would come out. I would own all of his other films, and I would be, uh, you know, kind of immersed in this this film universe, which didn't really exist in another way, like it does with Smith's movies. They're they're all interconnected. You have these two characters who tie everything together. Um, I would see this would be the first Kevin Smith movie I see in the theater, um, and with the exception of a couple of other directors who were like, like ubiquitous, like Steven Spielberg, he becomes the first director who I latch onto and, and know. And like, I know more about him than just his movies and would open me up to that idea where now I study directors very intently. Mm-hmm. Um, but Smith was the first and this, it was because of this movie that I was finally was just like, I need to know everything there is to know about this guy. Cause he just seems to click with my humor especially 19 year old me. Um, I, I clerks ages very, very well for me. Mall rats. I still adore. Um, and I, I love dogma. I think dogma is an underrated, uh, gem that people don't appreciate for the intelligence behind it because they, we look at the stupid jokes Correct. and we discount the, the posits, the, the messages that he's actually putting into the film. Um, I think there's a lot to be kind of deciphered from dogma, but it's also one of the only ones you can't get on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really weird, but it's some kind of distribution issue and it's, it stinks. Um, but what, what I don't want to like hog cause there's so many movies on this list no, that man. I've seen. I'm uh, sucking, what, I'm sucking four uh, and, uh, and the last one I know you wanted to mention as well. One of them was enemy at the gates came out. Some great performances by Jude Law and Ed Harris as two renowned snipers during the battle of Stalingrad in world war two. Yeah, Bob Hoskins is an angry small Russian officer. It's quite he's very funny. Um some brilliant sent great tense set pieces in this film. I think it's a really strong film. Uh, the Pledge, Jack Nicholson stars. I also saw this at the cinema. Basically, Jack Nicholson is a retiring detective who's looking for a pedophile. Uh, and he moves into the town where the uh, abuse took place and he's willing to do whatever it takes to get the his man, basically, even though he's retiring. Stroke retired. Dude, it's great. Sean Penn directs. It's a. I think this is a really yeah. good raw film. I think it's a very good story. Jack Nicholson's very good in these kind of roles as well, dramatic roles. The Pledge is a film which doesn't get spoken about enough. I don't think a lot of people have issue with it, especially the ending. But I, is it like neo noir? Like, does it because it, it, yeah. just the description felt like Chinatown, like part two. Similar, like that was uh, similar, my yeah, yeah. A lot of people. There are a few people have issue with the ending. I like it, but definitely check it out, dude. If I check out the Pledge and. Uh, and from from that, you get some like swordfish, which is just standard action thriller yeah. 
crap. I have seen that. It just, yeah, I just was like, I don't want to talk no, about it. It feels like something straight out of the 90s or is just the way it is. But um, And the other one I wanted to mention, which I know you did, was um, And Your Mother Too, or I, Why To Mama Tambien. How, I, I hope I said that. Alfonso Cuaron. Uh, partly because I can just imagine Warner Brothers and J.K. Rowling watching this and thinking, yes, this yeah, is Harry what, Potter. What weird. But it's just a, I really enjoy it. It's, it looks wonderful. It's funny. You get it's, you get characters who you come to give a damn about, and it's just a, it's a fun story as well. And I've, it's a really really well made film. It's a great calling card for Quaron in, into getting these yeah. bigger sort of more mainstream films. So um, I wanted to throw Plus, that as well. Definitely, and you get Gail Garcia Bernal, who is just uh, always amazing yeah, actor. Um, it, um, yeah, who is also really good. But I, I mean, I Gail Garcia is just. Mm-hmm. But um, there's uh, a couple of movies that we have to mention um, because of directors. Uh, but let's start with Spirited Away from Hao Miyazaki. Um, oh, easily man. one of the best animated films in the ever. I love it. Spirited Away. You got to dive into the Hao Miyazaki stuff, I've man. He he's... made it my bucket list before the end of the year because they're all on Netflix over here. I'm going to watch, you know, certainly the more the bigger one, Vert Names films. But Spirited Away is definitely one I'm going to watch by the end of this year. And that... If I'm not mistaken, that wins the Oscar for best animated or um, film. And, film well, least. yes, it's so amazing. Um, yeah, I can't remember. Uh, animated films exist at this point, yeah, right? Two thousand one, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, yeah, because Beauty and the Beast sparked the need for it because it got the best picture nominated, and they're like, "Oh, wait, we don't want to give the animated movies best picture." But Spirit Away is is phenomenal. Um, I I adore that movie so much. I've taught it a few times, and every time I watch it, I'm just always blown away. So I, I definitely want to that that should be. It's a shame that that's not in the top ten. Uh, obviously, it didn't gross here. Americans were not great at going to movies with subtitles. So, um, although there is a dubbed version, of mm-hmm. course, but um, love that movie. And then two two directors, uh, well, technically three, but uh, the Coen Brothers do the Man Who Wasn't There with their kind of noir film with Billy Bob Thornton um mcdormand who's in a lot of their movies and a very young scarlett johansson really good movie um definitely if you're a cohen's fan it's more on their serious crime mm-hmm. side than their humor but there's definitely their kind of normal nihilistic humor that they bring to their movies uh wes anderson the royal tenenbaums many people's favorite anderson it's not mine i like it a lot uh i i lean i actually i love rushmore because bill murray and that's where i always lean but i also i think grand budapest hotel is maybe his best like it is which is probably not that hot of a take because it, it mm-hmm. got an Oscar nom and stuff. But um, I, I love Ray Fiennes in that movie. I love Saoirse Ronan and um, uh, Tony Laurie. T- I'm messing his name up. Something like Tony Revolori. That's it. Um, is so good in, in Grand Budapest. But I'm a Wes Anderson fan in general, so I have to at least name drop that he's there. And Matt, right underneath that movie is yeah, Rush yeah, Hour yeah. 2, which was the first DVD I ever owned. Wow. Um, because I, I got a PlayStation uh, 3, uh, no, I'm sorry, a PlayStation 2, 2 was the first DVD player that I ever had. And with that, I got a game and then I got um, Rush Hour 2 because I was a big fan of Jackie Chan. So just don't mention the and Chris Tucker. But yeah, uh, yeah, right, right. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I, so that was I was like, oh, look, that's my first DVD. So that would have been like cool right around trivia. this time I would have got my PlayStation 3. Yeah random random fact and there's a lot of other movies that i've seen and like um uh some i own and haven't watched yet and then um like vanilla sky camera crow worthy mentioning training day the big denzel quotable you know ethan hawk duo with uh, antoine fuqua direct 
Yeah, which the people love. I'm not yeah, a fan. Same here. Of no, I don't. I, I think it's bloody awful. I do like Super Troopers, though. You do like Super Troopers. I think Super that Troopers. movie's stupid funny. I do like Super Troopers. I find it very funny um, and very quotable. Although, to be fair, I was uh, my friend group at the time. We we watched a lot of comedies like that, like Anchorman, Old School, um, Super Troopers. Those were like regular, like just on in the background when we were hanging out type mm-hmm. movies, right? Yeah. Like we would just laugh at the stupid things and and talk and talk, you know, eat stupid food. Um, so that was just uh, it's in that that realm for me. So I have a lot of like friend nostalgia tied to that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Um, a Knight's Tale, Heath Ledger, one of the films people reference when he got the role of the Joker. What, that guy from A Knight's Tale? Hey, A Knight's Tale is a lot of fun. I enjoy A Knight's Tale. It is a lot of fun. And Paul Bettany as uh, Chaucer yes. uh, is a weird choice, but you know, I like him a lot in it. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying. Paul yeah, Paul cool. Bettany, under, often overlooked, talented actor. He's done some weird movies too. He, did he went through like a phase where he just did like religious priest, like super priest yes. films. Really old. Da Vinci Code, it's uh, Da Vinci Code. Da Vinci Code, right. one called Priest, literally called Priest, oh. and there's another one. Oh yeah, I've seen Priest. He's just like a, he's just a kick-ass like Priest as well. Uh, Joe's seen the Pussycats. Uh, Iris was a good film with Jim Broad, ben, uh, British film Kate Winslet, Judy Dench. There's so again, there's so many films came out. Bridget Jones Diary, which obviously spawned sprawled the uh, sequels, which only which only stopped a few years ago. Um, Black Hawk Down came out as well. Still have not seen that movie. That's been on my radar for a long time. Yeah. Um, Oh, he had two movies that year. That's weird. Yeah. uh, And, you know, you have, there's a bunch of stuff here that's like, you know, worthy of checking out. Um, I've seen a few other things that we didn't mention, but not nothing I got to say out loud. Um, Of course, the Oscar winning Farrelly brothers have their shallow howl movie uh, that I'm sure ages so well. Um, I bet it does. Yeah. Uh, The Dr. Doolittle came out. Spy Kids. I mean, there's a second Doctor Doom. Second, sorry, Spy Kids is worth second Doctor Um, mentioning mainly because it's a Robert, it's Robert Rodriguez who I still can never wrap my head around his ability to do kids movies that really resonate. Kids still like. I have students now who still love the Spy Kids franchise and Shark Boy and Lava Girl. And then you're like, and what other movies? Oh, he did the Machete movies, and he you did Dust Till Dawn, and he did the Desperado trilogy, which I think I'm not. I love those movies, but like they are so different and i would argue him, right like can you imagine tarantino just suddenly does like four kids movies because that's ah, the equivalent no, no it like, is you're right because uh, they those two guys work together like they do the the grindhouse right, movies together he's and, mandalorian director um, as well oh yes that's right he's going to be doing one of the episodes but i i'm a big fan of robert Rodriguez, especially because he gave uh our friend Al, uh alejandro montoya marin who's yeah. now a director uh his big kind of break got him his first feature and um, thanks to his series and again robert's story alone is amazing so the fact that spy kids was so successful very happy for it. my daughter uh, had all has all of the spy kids movies and loved them as, as a kid um so yeah but uh, a kind of interesting year there's a lot going on in 2001 yeah man ron howard the beautiful mind uh michael Mann's ali came out as well there's an awful lot that came out in 2001 which again for better or worse isn't there some of these films are horrendous some are fine some are pretty good, but um, I guess that probably leads us into uh, tuxedo time and see if any of these films manage to take home any of those uh, golden statues. Award season. So here we look at both the Oscars and then the Razzies, uh, because this is the year where the Razzies was a thing. So 
Um, we like to start off with the Oscars and the, the serious awards, the real awards, and see how uh, what won and what didn't and wh- how our top ten ranks up against it. So we'll start with Best Picture. And it goes to A Beautiful Mind. Uh, nominees include Gosford Park, In the Bedroom, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, which was a monumental thing mm-hmm. to happen for a fantasy film to get that kind of recognition. And then Moulin Rouge, uh, not uncanny for a musical to get a nomination like that. I, I, Matt, what do you think? Is, is Beautiful Mind the best picture of 2001? Cause you've got to look at it objectively, isn't it? Because to me, I'm like, well, I really like Fellowship of the Ring. But you take yourself out of that and think, was is A Beautiful Mind a better film? Um, I probably think Moulin Rouge is a better film than A Beautiful Mind, actually. But A Beautiful Mind yeah. is a good film. I've got to lie. It's a, it's a I good do. Film. I like it. Yeah. It's very, it's a very compelling story. Russell Crowe is amazing. Mm-hmm. I think Jennifer Connelly is understated yeah. in that movie and is really, really good. Um, and Paul Bettany's in that movie too, actually, come <laughs> yeah, to think of it. Uh, I don't think it's the best picture like that year. Like, I think it's a good movie. I have, I've taught that film, I think, cause I do think it's well executed. I think it's very connectable. You know, people click with it and it's a, it's a empowering story, but come on. Like, how do you not give it to Lord of the Rings though? Like, out of those five what that films, movie did, I would have liked to have seen Fellowship win, but had Moulin Rouge won, I would have had no problems. Now, Lord of the Rings go doesn't uh, the Return of the King get the Oscar? It wipes sweets the floor of everything. It won yeah. everything it's nominated for. So it does get its retribution, but uh, it, Beautiful Mind is a, don't get me wrong, really good film. I think it's it, not a hundred percent if it holds up now and with our the scrutiny that we give things, but. Definitely, I I love Moulin Rouge, so I'm a little surprised that that didn't win because of all the musical numbers and stuff. But and Baz Luhrmann, boy, he's got he's got such a unique style. So I can't wait to watch Australia because I just can't imagine Australia being a Baz Luhrmann film because he's so visually kinetic. I can't imagine Australia doing that. So I'm just like, what happened? Why did he make this movie? It doesn't seem like any of his other movies. I'm interested for you to see that, obviously, because he is Australian and everyone in it pretty much as well. So I'm interested for you to see that. I won't say anything about it then, but um. Well, we talk about a beautiful mind. Best director, Ron Howard for a beautiful mind. So there you go. Yeah, and that's probably more of like an overall achievement award because I don't think he he didn't win for uh, Apollo thirteen, right? No, he don't think he did. No. So this is probably like, hey, you've you've been with us for a long time. You deserve an award, and this movie's solid, so we'll give mm-hmm. it to you. Uh, best actor. Yeah. Uh, rightfully so goes to Denzel Washington uh, for training day. Boy, that performance is huge, but man, it just showcases how great Denzel. And again, same thing. Denzel many times over deserving of an Oscar. So, yep. Uh, best actress setting her up for Catwoman was Halle Berry <laughs> for monsters ball. Oh no. <laughs> That's oh man. Uh, best supporting actor, Jim Broadbent for Iris, which uh, he's also in Moulin Rouge. So That's kind of funny. I wonder, uh, and, and Harry Potter as well, with the same. Yeah. He goes on to being Harry Potter. So Jim Broadbent's a very, uh, he's a very well loved British actor over here. Uh, best supporting actress, as you mentioned, Jennifer Connolly for that understated performance in A Beautiful Mind. I think well deserved there. Um, best original screenplay goes to Gosford Park, which is a movie we did not mention once. I don't remember that what that is. Um, it wasn't even in the other side. Well, we've heard of it, of yeah, course. I, I know the I don't name know much about it. Uh, well, the best adapted screenplay went to. A Beautiful Mind. And Best Animated Feature. Oh, what in the world. It went to Shrek. It went to Shrek. And not... And not... Wow. Um, yeah, I'm just... I'm at a loss, man. I can't... Wow. And is the the first, though. 
So bet, first time ever, and it goes to Shrek. Again, I like Shrek, but man, that's not right. Um, all right. There you go. We've, we've annoyed JB before we get to the Razzies. Best original score, quite rightly, Howard Shaw for The Fellowship of the Ring. Best original song, If I Didn't Have You from Monsters, Inc. Not uncommon for a Pixar movie to get that. It's true. Uh, and finally, for the main awards, Best Cinematography went to Andrew Lesney for The Fellowship of the Ring. So um, let's have a look at the, the top 10 then, as we mentioned then. How well did the, did the top 10 do in the... Um, Academy starting off with the number one film Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone zero wins but it did get nominated for best original score art direction and costume design which is normal for a fantasy film to get yeah. those kind of not especially a family like kids movie um Lord of the Rings uh the Fellowship of the Ring gets the wins with best cinematography best makeup best original score best visual effects and gets nominated for best picture best director best adapted screenplay best supporting actor best art direction best costume design best film editing best original score uh, may it be and best sound uh, McKellen for best supporting actor. Pretty much most of them then. Uh, Monsters Inc. It won for best original song, but it was obviously uh, nominated for best animated feature, best original score, and best sound editing. Uh, Shrek wins best animated yeah. feature, um, and I can't I can't believe it won an Oscar. And then best adapted screenplay. <laughs> really ruffled JP's feathers. Ocean's Eleven no wins, no nominations. A little surprised with some of the cast, but uh, Pearl Harbor gets best sound editing, which again for a uh, it wins best sound editing, but then is nominated for best sound, best visual effects, best original score. Very common nods for war films to get those um, editing. I'm actually surprised it doesn't have editing, um, but there you go. And then uh, the final four films: Mummy Returns, JP3, Planet of the Apes, and Hannibal. Uh, no wins and no nominations, and quite right as well for any of those films. Um, and then. Uh, honorary awards went to Sidney Poitier and Robert Redford that year, two uh, prolific actors from the 60s and 70s. Yep, two very, very well-respected actors. So uh, now on to John's favourite part of the show, one in which he's never kicked up a fuss about, one which he's never got angry about. Let's talk about the Razzies, man. Uh, we all know the Razzies. We know it's just a bit of fun and a bit of games. But sometimes mm-hmm. they can, again, also ruffle JB's feathers. So let's see what we think about sounds- the worst picture. Went to Freddy Got Fingered. And worst actor goes to Tom Green for Freddy Got Fingered. Worst actress, Mariah Carey in Glitter. That just seems mean. Uh, worst supporting actor, Charlton Heston. Oh my God. In Cats and Dogs, Planet of the Apes cameo, and Town and, uh, and Town and Country as the Mastiff, Zaos and Mr. Claiborne, respectively. So three movies, Heston wins the best, worst supporting actor. That's kind of funny. <laughs> uh, worst supporting actress, Estella Warren in Driven and Planet of the Apes as Sophia Simone and Dana, respectively. <laughs> worst director, I didn't realize Tom Green directed, uh, but Tom Green for Freddy Got Fingered. <laughs> worst screenplay, Freddy Got Fingered, written by Tom Green and Derek Harvey. Worst screen couple, Tom Green, any animal he abuses in Freddy Got Fingered. Jesus. And worst remake or sequel, Planet of the Apes from 20th Century Fox. Um, worst podcast of uh, discussion was the use of Freddy Got Fingered saying way too many times was that phrase uttered in this report. <laughs> we tried to keep it PG, guys. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tom Green cleaned up. I mean, pff, I'm not going to argue with any of those, to be honest. I mean, he mentioned Mariah Carey, Charlton Heston, bless him. But anything Tom Green related in the Razzies this year, I'm all over that. I'm, I I fully agree. Yeah, it seems pretty spot on. Maybe a little cruel for Mariah Carey because she was not an actress. This was her, I think, debut as yeah. an actress. Um, 
when she crushes in in uh, don't mess with the Zohan, is it so you know, she's in she, as well? she develops. Um, I don't precious is like a wolf. Like precious, uh, she might be. I think she's, I, she's I've not very seen very good in that. Uh, Gosford Park, by the way, it's Robert Robert Altman film. What the? It's basically about uh, about a posh, pretentious, rich, famous get to, famous people get together for a relaxation uh, weekend at a hunting resort. And then secrets, lies, and deceptions come tumbling out when Sir William gets murdered. So whether it's like a murder mystery type thing, um, it's like, it's like a it's a it's right. a who done it time film, but with a lot more layers to it. So I probably Robert Altman, I probably should check that out. And that is a gap in my film list for anyone who tells me to revoke my card. Yep, um, I don't know Ryan Phillippe being in it makes me hesitant, but no, I but yeah, one, there you go. We'll, we'll check it out one day, guys, and we we'll, we will eventually let you know what we think about it so uh that's the award season and as as is the case with that little thing called life during 2001 we uh we welcomed some new talent to the world but sadly we also we also lost some so uh let's take a look on our next segment births and deaths so january 1st Angerice Rice uh, is an actress. Uh, she's this is the burst um, most notable for the nice guys where she's amazing. The Beguiled, the remake, the Sofia Coppola remake, not the seventies version. Every day, uh, Spider Man Homecoming and Spider Man um, Far From Home, where she plays uh, Betty Brant. I think is the name something Brant. Um, she's good in the second one, especially. She's good in the second one and in the nice guys too. Um, February the nineteenth, David Mazous was born. Is an actor best known for The Darkness. And TV's Gotham. Um, July 2nd, we get Abraham Atta, uh, actor best, uh, Beast of No Nation and Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, July the 10th, Isabella Ooh, Mona, an actress so best known for Transformers last night. Uh, Instant Family, surprisingly good. Sedux Sicario, yep. Day of the Soldado, Door on the Lost City of Gold. Uh, and on TV, 100 Things to Do Before High School. Um, August 6th, we get Ty Simpkins, actor is Insidious, Insidious Chapter 2, Iron Man 3, uh, Jurassic World and Guiding Light. I didn't realize he was a soap opera actor. Um, I like Iron Man 3. I think that movie's underrated. Um, September the 15th, Emma Furman. She's an actress best known for The Magic of Belle Isle, Blended, and Avengers Endgame. Uh, October 13th, we get Caleb McLaughlin, an actor most known for High Flying Bird, great movie, and Stranger Things. October the 14th, the next day, Rowan Blanchard. Uh, actress known for Girl Meets TV and the Gold, Gold Meets World on TV and the Goldbergs from TV and also Spy Kids All the Time in the World and John's favourite A Wrinkle in Time. I think that movie got a lot of hate for no reason. Um, October 19th, Art pa- uh, Parkinson, um, actor known for San Andreas, I Killed Giants, which I've not seen but I want to. I love Kubo and the Two Strings mm. and Game of Thrones, the TV series. Uh, finally, December the 16th, Sebastian Croft was born. He's an actor best known for Penny Dreadful and Game of Thrones, again on TV, a few Game of Thrones alumni, and Horrible Histories, the movie Rotten Romans. Uh, mm. So that's who was born this year. And again, list is usually shorter because not that long ago, but I guess yeah, Isabella Mona jumps out the most there and Angori Rice. Yeah, Angoris Rice is going to be a superstar if she's ever given another leading role because nice guy, she is outstanding. Um, but now we got to look on the sides, the sad side of the spectrum, which is the deaths. Um, starting February 7th, King Moody, age 71, actor, comedian, uh, most known for Get Smart, the TV show, not the horrible remake movie, mm-hmm. Teenagers from Outer Space, and Ronald McDonald TV ads. 
He was Ronald McDonald in the TV ads. Uh, February the 19th, uh, Stanley Kramer, an 87-year-old director. He's best known for Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, which we covered a few episodes ago. On the Beach and the Defiant Ones. Uh, and Kramer include, had 16 Academy Award and 80 nominations uh, overall in many award bodies. He was nominated nine times as producer-director, and he won the Irving G. Thalberg Memorial Award in 1961. On April 7th, which uh, three years after this would be my daughter's birthday, um, Beatrice Strait dies of age 86, uh, actress most known for Network, which is a great movie, and Poltergeist, which is another great movie. Yeah. Uh, May the 13th, uh, my boy Jason Miller passed away, 62 years old. He's an actor and a playwright. Of course, he was best known as Father Karras in The Exorcist. Uh, also in The Nickel Ride, The Ninth Configuration, The Exorcist 3, and that championship season, which he wrote and got him the part of Father Karras. And for me, the most sad, uh, June 27th, Jack Lemon, age 76, mm-hmm. dies. Uh, most known for Mr. Roberts, Some Like It Hot, which I love. I love The Apartment. And I just watched The Odd Couple last night in preparation for our next episode of Astrology. Yes. Um, Save the Tiger, which is a big version of Save the Cat. And Glen Gary, Glen Ross, which is a movie that is so on my gap list and I need to check off. Um but and of course, I grew up watching uh, the old version of the Odd Couple, which is the Grumpy Old Men, right? Which is uh, brings Landau and Lemon back together, um, and I enjoyed those as a kid. And the Odd Couple is still really, really funny. Yep. So uh, some big names sadly left us, but look at some again. Where we also look at some of those films. You've got Oscar winners in that list as well. You know, big talent left us, but they've all left their mark on Hollywood and blazed a trail for those who were born this year to hopefully. Uh, go on and emulate some of their successes. So it's not just who came into the world and sadly who left us that we talk about on movie astrology. We also talk about those who took their first steps in the world of film. So let's have a look at that in our next segment. Debuts. So this is the people who, like I say, made their first steps into a cinema they may have been on TV before, but this is their first cinematic film. Um, we're kicking off with Ty Burrell, who debuted in Evolution and has since gone on, of course, to star in Modern Family on TV. Uh, but also Black Hawk Down, The Incredible Hulk, Mr. Peabody and Sherman, Finding Dory and Stalks. And of course, we get the now uh, director, uh, Academy Award nominated director, Bradley Cooper, uh, debuts with Wet Hot American Summer. Um, he's done tons of stuff since then. Alias, The Hangover Trilogy, Limitless, The Place Beyond the Pines, Silver Linings Playbook, American Hustle, American Sniper, the uh, MCU as, as Rocket Raccoon, and A Star is Born, where he, he um, is, just crushes it. Yep. Dominic Cooper debuted in From Hell and has gone on to star on the Mamma Mia films. Captain America, The First Avenger, and Winter Soldier, Warcraft, and TV's Preacher. Uh, Dakota Fanning debuts in Tomcat, really? In Tomcats? Um, and then she's most known for Uptown Girls, The Cat in the Hat, Man on, Fi- uh, Man on Fire, War of the Worlds, Charlotte's Web, Coraline, The Twilight Saga, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and The Alienist on TV. Uh, this is the first of a few. Rupert Grint, he's made his debut in Harry Potter and a Philosopher's Stone, and of course is best known for that entire series, but also uh, some indie darlings like Thunderpants, Driving Lessons, Cherry Bomb, Wild Target and Into the White. And I had heard he bought an ice cream truck and would drive it around and give free ice cream to kids as like a, you know, hey, I'm I'm man. Ron from Harry Potter. Um, who knows if man. that's true, but hopefully it is. Tom Hardy debuts in Black Hawk Down. Did not know that. Um, most notable for uh, Star Trek Nemesis, Rock and Rolla, 
Bronson, Warrior, Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy, The Revenant, Mad Max Fury Road, Legend, Inception, The Dark Knight Rises, Dunkirk, and Venom. Not a bad list. Naomi Harris, wonderful actress. She debuted in Crust and has gone on to appear in 28 Days Later, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest and At World's End, Mandela, Long Walk to Freedom, Skyfall, Spectre, and Moonlight. Anne Hathaway, I can't, man, so crazy. Uh, it's only been 19 years. Um, the Princess Diaries is where she debuts, and then she's uh, done tons of stuff since then. Brokeback Mountain, The Devil Wears Prada, Rachel Getting Married, Valentine's Day, Alice in Wonderland, The Dark Knight, Rises, Les Mis, Interstellar, Colossal, I love Colossal, Ocean's 8, Serenity, and The Hustle. God, I love Anne Hathaway in every way, but those last two films, Christ. Those last two are real bad. Oof, Oscar winner. Uh, Jay Hernandez, he debuted in Crazy Beautiful. Uh, Hannah's gone on to uh, appear in Friday Night Lights, Hostel, obviously, Bad Mums and the sequel, Suicide Squad and Magnum P.I. on TV. Freddie Highmore um, debuts in Women Talking Dirty, which is weird because he's got to be super young in that movie. Uh, he's then in Finding Neverland, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, August Rush, The Spiderwick Chronicles, Bates Motel, the TV series, and The Good Doctor, uh, which is currently still on TV, I think. Uh, it is, yes. Um, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. <laughs> debuted in the mummy returns as we said and they went on to uh he appeared in the, the game plan <laughs> yeah and having appeared in the game plan tooth fairy gi joe retaliation hercules <laughs> san andreas central intelligence moana rampage skyscraper the fast and furious series the jumanji series and tv's ballers Nobody would have predicted the Jumanji series being what it is, and it's no. insane. Uh, Taylor Lautner shows up in Shadow Fury, but most famous uh, as the in the Twilight series. I think, honestly, he holds up better as Shark Boy in The Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl in 3D, <laughs> um, Abduction and Scream Queens, the TV series. And also, let's not forget, he's in Grown Ups 2, that horrible movie. How did that slip my mind? God damn it. Um, Scoot McNary, he debuted in Wrong Numbers, uh, and he's gone on to appear... In films like Monsters, Argo, Killing Them Softly, 12 Years a Slave, Frank, Gongo, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then this guy you may have heard of, Daniel Radcliffe, he makes his debut in The Tailor of Panama, something we all remember from 2001. Uh, but then he would go on to play Harry Potter in the Harry Potter series, uh, The Women in Black, Kill Your Darlings, Victor Frankenstein, Swiss Army Man, uh, Now You See Me, 2, Imperium, Jungle, Guns Akimbo, which I want to watch and still have not. Uh, yeah, got a lot of controversy about that film, but uh, still yet to watch it. Uh, Emma Roberts, I, and somebody else who I uh, admire and love an awful lot, Emma Roberts, she debuted in Blow uh, and went on to appear or star in Nancy Drew, Hotel for Dogs, Valentine's Day, Scream 4, We Are the Millers, Palo Alto, The Black, The Very Good, Black Coat's Daughter, Paradise Hills from 2019, uh, An American Horror Story on TV, and Scream Queens on TV. And of course, she is now a Scream Queen herself. Uh, Seth Rogen, wow, uh, debuts in Donnie Darko. Um, you'll know him from The 40-Year-Old Virgin, Knocked Up, Steve Jobs, Superbad, Pineapple Express, The Green Hornet, This Is The End, Shrek the Third. I didn't realize he was in Shrek the Third. Mm. Horton Hears a Who, Kung Fu Panda Films, The Monsters vs. Alien Movie, Paul, Sausage Party, The Lion King. The dude works a lot. You got to give him credit. Even if you don't like him, he does a lot. Oh, man, you're right. And you didn't even mention Donnie Darko. That came out this year as well. Uh, Rafe Spall uh, debuted in Beginner's Luck. Uh, and he's appeared in Prometheus, Life of Pi, The Big Short, The BFG, The Ritual, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, and Men in Black International. 
and Emma Watson. Um, the she debuts in Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone and or Sorcerer's Stone, most known for Harry Potter. Uh, the perks of being a wallflower, which I love. The bling ring. This is the end, um, where she plays herself. Noah, the circle, um, which those two movies both are not so great. Uh, Beauty and the Beast and uh, Greta Gerwig's Little Women, where she is fantastic. Yep. So uh, the, this year, the, the births may have been, uh, you know, fine. You know, a few big name people or certainly a lot of talent for the future. Those who debuted this year, bloody hell, what a list of names on that list. But out of them, only one Academy Award. Les Mis for it, Anne Hathaway. So big names, great talent, won an award between them all. Um, but how Bradley Cooper hasn't gotten one is beyond me. So that is the debuts in from 2001. So that's the... That's the movie stuff out that way. That's the that's the uh, crudite, the appetizers. We all come for this reason. We want to hear JB consult the stars in our final segment. The horoscope. So, I consulted with the stars, and the burkoscope is as this: two thousand one is the year of the two faced teacher. For those born under the banner of the Two-Faced Teacher, know that life will be full of struggles, but your friends will help make them bearable. Taking a trip with your friends to far-off magical places will open new doors to even more opportunities for great riches. However, looming over you will be horrors of the past, always threatening to destroy your new connections. But choose not to run. Instead, learn from the past, and these lesser shadows will be easily overcome, even if they feel like they're munching on your brain. Talking raptors be damned. The power of friendship and inner beauty will be your strength. <laughs> Talking raptors be damned. All on the mic again, JB. He's, you know, spends years, months getting these ready and prepared. So, JB, another quality burkoscope for my friend. Thank you very much for that, sir, for uh, summing up the year in the burkoscope. And as we do with the episode now we've, we've discussed the films we've we've seen who came who went who won who didn't 2001 as a film as a year in film how does it rank for you uh, you know maybe like stacked up against the other episodes but this is a, a year in film was it a success or you know, how you, how do you view it i think if you view it from the top 10 it's not a success mm-hmm. um because there are five movies that i don't think are very good in that top 10 right or at least not not by comparison to other things but I think collectively there's a lot of film in this this year that is really impactful, really powerful and holds up really really well and like you said with David Lynch, your your opinion his best movie. Um he's an iconic director and then I think uh for some Royal Tenenbaums is that, you know. Um you get some big debuts, you get some big performances. Um I I think it's a really solid year and it, it's hard for me to separate because I again this is in that window when I really started to like obsess over movies and would later only you know double down on that obsession and start teaching it but you know i think this was the this was in that window where i was really starting to appreciate film as more than just entertainment and as i mentioned with kevin smith becoming aware of him and well i don't know if everyone wants to list kevin smith as an auteur he definitely has a very distinct style and his movies are his movies and i think he would qualify and that was like my first awareness so i think 2001 for me is a really important year for film. So that's where I'm at with it. Yeah. Top 10, it is what it is. But at the same time, it kicked off Harry Potter. We kicked off the Lord of the Rings. We kicked off the Fast and Furious franchise. So we've had some big franchises, whether or not you like them all, like people in general, like film fans, you can't deny their reach 
um, like cultural impact and just face it, the money they've made as well. So whilst the top 10 is lacking for a point, the top two are very good in what they went on to do. The notable releases have some fantastic films in some we didn't even mention, but I think it's a decent year for film. I still don't think, I don't think it's the best year we've ever covered, but individually it's got some incredible films in it and some, which some, which hold up and I think will continue to hold up. So 2001, it's been great. We've loved you, but that is our episode then for this, uh, edition of movie astrology hope you've all enjoyed it jb as we always say thank you up again for giving up your time to dive back in time with me yeah man not at all i love doing this can't wait to do the next episode yes and jb's uh if you were listening intently would have mentioned what we're doing next episode to start swatting up on that if you go back and listen you'll hear what we've just said uh so before we move on and f- finish john if the world just heard you and thought what a guy and if they didn't they should where can i find you online you can find me on at BurkeReviews.com, but on all social media at BurkeReviews. Uh, you can find me at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk, all social media at whatiwatchtonight. Uh, you can find me and John every Thursday on the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, where we discuss the film of the week, uh, new releases, plus some of the uh, film news that's come out in the last seven days as well. I highly recommend it. And if you want to find the show, you can do uh, on Instagram at movie astrology on Twitter at movie underscore astrology. Uh, and we drop uh, a lot of info about the shows, um, audio clips, um, trivia about the film. So go check them out as well. So however, if you do like the show as well, please do consider leaving us a good rating and review on your podcast provider of choice. Cause it helps get us out to more people. Uh, and we love hearing from you guys anyway. So the engagement we get is brilliant. And thank you for having ears and choosing to use them with us. So, Until next time, guys, thank you so much for listening. And from me, see ya. And from John, keep watching movies. 